0: Get, get your sunglasses and techno music
1: yeah <laughs> yes there you go oh
2: god
0: <laughs> get, get your le- leather overcoat and techno music three
3: awful 90s movies
1: the following podcast may contain adult language and an abundance of salt so get your leather trench coats ready and your sunglasses because we're talking 90s superhero movies Welcome back to another episode
0: of the Salty Nerd Podcast. There was a lot of that, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, there was. Dude, the '90s were all about techno music and, and sunglasses, and black Shady leather clothes. trench coats. Yes,
2: I love
1: it. Welcome back to another episode of the Salty Nerd Podcast. I am your host, the Salty Nerd, and today's episode we're going to be discussing three superhero movies that from are, the '90s, from the '90s that have Just so s- happened to be the
0: something to do with halloween and or horror have you guys noticed like very
3: loosely based like,
0: on halloween <laughs> 90s cool doesn't translate well it absolutely I think it, does i think it does I, I, like 100 no, I, I think like like 60s 70s 80s like like the stuff that was cool back then is still cool but like with the 90s it's like Bro, uh,
4: wrong don't
1: talk about 80s ni- it's it's talk about what's cool in the 80s man keep your freaking pastel colors in I your still giant. I got sunglasses. my black
4: leather trench coat hanging in the closet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I am joined as always by my co hosts and panel of nerds, starting with the barbarian himself, Matt Vader. What's up, dude
3: he's a space Viking.
1: Space Viking. Barbarian Space Viking. <laughs> that's right. I need that's to get right. Him. I need to go out to the Jeep and get my Oakley's.
4: Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. I need I to I go upstairs him. and get my trench coat. I wear them every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I still wear <laughs> <laughs>
1: There we go. <laughs> that better? That's it. That's I just it. put my sunglasses on. We're
4: good now. I in fact, I told my wife I wanted a prescription Oakley's for Christmas. Those well. are dope. Like
0: I might just wear them permanently. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Did you ask her for some Doc Martens while you were at it? <laughs> I, I, I got some Doc Martens. I got some Chuck Taylors at home too. <laughs> Is that
1: 90s? That's the 60s, I know, they're they? pretty timeless. Yeah. They, every, you I wear still wear them. Yeah. Uh, I am also joined by the ambassador of estrogen, Hi-yo. Jude. Welcome to the show. Hi. You ready to talk about these movies? I guess. I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also joined by the author Take extraordinaire. Take those sunglasses off, dork. All right, <laughs> also joined by the uh, author extraordinaire, Matthew Kadish. Welcome to the show.
0: I'm currently trying to ice skate uphill, <laughs> for those of you who are wondering. <laughs>
1: You love that line, huh? I do. It's one of the <laughs> best lines ever. We're going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we are.
3: Alex just turned on every light in the house and then put his sunglasses on, <laughs> on like a dick.
4: <laughs> I'm already, it's like 30 degrees warmer. Right it is hot <laughs> in
1: here, huh? Today's podcast, we're going to be discussing three movies, like we said, Blade, the Wesley Snipes classic. Awesome. Awesome, awesome movie. Uh, awesome. Spawn, the not so great 90s. So bad. <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> and... The Crow, which is honestly one of the best Master- masterpiece. Masterpieces of, yeah, it's yes. Amazing, timeless Fire it up uh, so, fire, so, fire it up
2: <laughs>
1: So thanks for joining us But before we get too deep into the woods uh, Real quick, let's pay some bills
2: Ah, the sounds of summer Can it get any better?
0: Oh yeah I forgot about that one Discover the unforgettable sensations of the Lexus performance lineup. Explore the possibilities of a Lexus at the Golden Opportunity sales event. Now through September 6th. Click the banner to discover more. Experience
2: amazing at your Lexus dealer.
0: When the global supply chain is strained, one essential transportation network continues to keep the economy connected 24-7. That network is Freight rail. We're increasing hiring and capacity, all while investing more than $20 billion per year into our network to
1: improve reliability every day. We never stop working to better serve our customers because Freight Rail works.
0: What do we do? Oh, yeah. okay. so Blade first (laughs) on the list. (laughs) Let's discuss Uh, Wesley Snipes. Okay. this this movie. So I'm a big Wesley Snipes fan. Oh, yeah, we know that. And this is his best movie. I, I love so. this
4: movie. I think you're right.
1: What about white man, white white? What is it? White dudes white, can't white, jump. White men can't
0: jump. Mm-hmm.
4: White man can't jump. It's way too I, many shoulder pads in that movie. I, I, <laughs> I mean, you know,
0: it's funny because like in the late '80s, early '90s, like Wesley Snipes, he was like a very serious actor. He he was in dramas and comedies. You know, like he did like New Jack City and um, Jungle Fever and like all this stuff. And uh, you know the his team ups with Woody Harrelson is like you know in, in the comedies and things like that. Like that's what he was really known for. Yeah. But about midway through the '90s, he like shifted to Wesley Snipes' action man, freaking Demolition
4: yeah. Man. Yeah, there's, there's two movies that I think of about with him, and that's this one Blade, yeah,
0: and Demolition Man. That's it. Yeah, and and he did like a whole bunch of like really bad like 90s action movies that I absolutely love. <laughs> Didn't pay his taxes on any of them. Yeah, so. P- Passenger 57, you know, like uh, he, he was in the sequel to The Fugitive. Yeah, um, that was well, a great movie too. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> the, the original Fugitive was pretty good, but yeah. the, the sequel was
1: not U.S. Great. Marshals? That was a good freaking movie. No, it was not. We're going to talk about that later then. Uh, um, no, but, but, we're not. <laughs> I don't want to be on this podcast anyway. <laughs> Blade was like,
0: like it, it was kind of like his first big hit as an action star and it kind of redefined his career for like a a good portion of like the early 2000s can we just like right out flat say as the salty nerd podcast
1: this is the first marvel black led superhero movie I don't like that they try to pin that on Black Panther. Oh yeah, for sure. I it's ridiculous. Like Blade did this stuff twenty years ago, and they're all yeah. like, "We're the first ones to do yeah, it." well, like, that's no, you're not that's because they just like the virtue signal. I know
0: it's crazy. Oh, I just want to make sure that. Ironically, it, Wesley Snipes had spent years trying to get Black Panther made. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it became obvious that it was a no-go, he decided to, to do this movie because it had martial arts in it. He nice. would have been a great Black Panther. Yeah, too. yeah I, I think he would have But been... before we get into the Weezers we should probably let Jude do her thing. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I don't even want to. I hate this movie.
0: You hate uh, Blade. I
2: clothe this movie. Okay. <laughs>
0: she was sitting there on the couch with like the most – <laughs> angry look on her face when we were watching this movie and I'm, I'm I'm sitting there like a little girl like oh
2: my god this is so good so
0: good <laughs> look at the blood uh all right well who wants to do the intro
2: for I'll this do movie I'll do it still? yeah okay. I just
3: want to start off by saying it's not the movie's fault that I hate it because I have that appreciation for bad movies right um this movie just takes me back to a time in my life where I knew people who behaved this way and I still have a very um I guess I have, I, I have never gotten closure on this you time of my life.
1: New people who behaved like vampires? Yeah. No, like, like, like <laughs> douchebags.
3: No, like, I feel like everyone in this, I, and it's in my notes. Everyone is over the top obnoxious. <laughs> and everyone in this movie is just such a, I'm a tough guy. <laughs> and I just grew up with those people. And okay. I, I just can't, I, I can't put that aside enough to just take the movie for what it is. So I hate this movie based on people in my life. Okay. It's not the movie's fault that I hate this movie. You don't
1: like tough guys.
3: I don't macho, like people macho. who have to make it a point to be like, I'm tough. Okay. Like I love tough guys. I love roadhouse, Yeah. but I hate this movie because of how like, it just takes me right back to high school <laughs> and these people. Okay. So, all
1: right, well let's, uh, let's tell the listeners what this movie is all about.
3: Okay. So basically this is about <clears throat> a, uh, a woman is pregnant and she gets attacked by a vampire and then the baby is born as he's the day walker. So he's half human, half vampire. Um, and he has powers um, because he's half human that the other vampires don't have.
1: Yeah, he has all their powers and none of their weaknesses. Yeah,
3: uh, and, and there's like a classism to this movie. There's the, the born vamps and the made vamps.
1: Yeah. And uh, he basically takes it upon himself to rid the world of the scourge of vampirism and uh, it's his job. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like the – He's the sworn enemy of the forces of darkness. Yes. Mm -hmm.
4: Him and and Whistler and uh, a few other people we don't meet in this movie. I like
1: like Whistler. He's cool.
3: So this movie came out in 1997. Um, So I love – Sam Elliott, and I consider this movie, Chris Christofferson, as the poor man's <laughs> Sam Elliott. <laughs> it just, it doesn't hold anything for me. Like, if it had been Sam Elliott, I could have appreciated something about it, but I'm like, I
1: don't the think, poor man's. I don't <laughs> think Sam Elliott quite has the edge for this movie, mm-hmm. though. He's, he's kind of like a big, soft teddy bear. I don't
0: know. If you ever saw him in um,
1: Roadhouse, you'd probably think differently.
0: Yeah, haven't you ever seen that?
1: I have seen Roadhouse. I don't remember him in it. I mean, it's been like a long time since I've seen it, but He's go like ahead,
3: old man, sexy. Um, so, <laughs> this movie had a budget of forty-five million, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the, th- the new thing.
1: Oh, okay, multiple choice.
3: Yeah, just make it easier on you guys because you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Did this movie make one hundred and thirty-one million, eighty-seven million, or two hundred and eleven million?
1: I'm gonna go, go with eighty-seven. What about you, Vader?
3: Vader.
1: I'll go one thirty-one.
3: Kadesh, do you know? I do.
1: Okay, of course he
0: does. He knows everything.
3: Vader is right. One thirty-one. Nice. Good job, Vader. Yeah, this Good.
1: was a huge hit. Good job. Yeah, excellent. Glad to hear it.
0: And and you know what's funny is like this movie, um, it, it is a comic book movie, and it was coming off the heels of like Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. which, yeah, yeah, which, which almost destroyed the Batman franchise. And uh, also, like, I think, uh, like, Spawn. Yep. And, this like, movie came out. A bunch of out, other, like, comic book failures. Yeah. yeah. This
1: movie came out after, like, just the worst run of comic book movies ever. And then all of a sudden we get Blade and everybody's like, oh, this is what we're talking about. Like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, like,
0: like, this was the first comic book movie to actually take the material seriously. Like, originally the, the producers wanted it to be more, like, um, comedic and campy. Yeah. And I'm they glad were, they didn't go that way. Like, they wanted it to be kind of like how Batman and Robin ended up being. And uh, David Goyer was just like, like no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank That's God. it's not happening. It was one of the few choices I think I can get behind David Goyer on. Because. I think
1: this movie has one of the best opening scenes oh, yeah. oh, for it. a freaking vampire movie ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So or, or any movie. It's up there, definitely. do <laughs> but... <Katie Stiger>
3: your <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> So we're following – basically, the way we get introduced to Blade, which I thought was really cool, is – we're following this like dude who's thinking he's gonna get laid. He's following this chick into some underground club. Tracy doing, led by Tracy, Tracy Lords, led by Tracy Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we go into this underground club. There's a bunch of people dancing. We got some techno music going. All of a sudden, the freaking sprinkler system comes on, and it's and just but like,
0: it, but it's it's a buildup to that. Yeah, it's yeah it is a buildup. Build yeah. yeah, yeah. Like like we get the, subtle little
1: hints that things aren't
4: and, and, quite right. And they're, and they're not in a warehouse. <laughs> yeah. They're they're in a butcher shop. Yeah, is it, it a butcher a, shop? It, it's it's a, a it's a
0: meat packing plant. Yeah. And they go they go in this back room and basically you got all these girls in bras and everyone's kind of dancing it's and very rave and, and they, the guy yeah. the guy that Tracy Lords brings with him or with her to this rave um, it, it, like he starts noticing like there's like weird stuff going on
4: <laughs> he's got no clue <laughs> yeah but but
0: as it's going on the music just keeps building and um, and building and when it gets to its crescendo. That's when the sprinkler system goes off and and blood just starts spraying everywhere. It's like the
1: brightest freaking blood I've ever seen. It was so it's such a freaking like the, shock factor moment. It's like they they you know they they pan up to the DJ and he just raises his arms yeah and the sign behind him
4: says blood rain no it <laughs> says blood bath blood bath blood yeah bath. I'm getting my my things mixed up
0: but uh, then it's just it's on yeah, yeah it's
4: yeah. like
0: it's so and like I remember when I saw that in the theater like I I was sitting I was like me and my Film school friends were all sitting there headbanging to that techno music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we were like,
2: yeah, man. So I was this- like, I was like in a
0: really weird place back then. And I'm like, man, that looks like
1: fun. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I
2: was like, I would be totally down to go to this club. <laughs> that would be awesome. It's yeah. covered in freaking blood. would be,
1: yeah, whatever. It was <laughs> crazy. Anyways, the, like, the, the, the thing that I really liked about this was, uh, not only is it like just super cool visually to watch this happen and you kind of get this, like you're the, you kind of identify with the guy who's there. He's kind of like, doesn't know what's going yeah, on. He's like the every man, every man. And you're looking around you're like, oh, he's in trouble now. And you're like, yeah. the vampires are like terrifying looking. They're all covered in blood. They got their yeah. sharp teeth. They're staring them down. They're about ready to freaking chow. <laughs> and then right when you think he's going to get it, you see freaking blade Mm -hmm. yep completely standing there in his whole black outfit with his the
0: crowd parts yeah the crowd parts and
1: it's just you pan up to see wesley
0: snipes (laughs) as blade i'm like and and, and as soon as he appears the music just stops yes It's it's like a great like kind of um accent to like his appearance where like you know, it was all crazy and frenetic and exciting. Then he shows up. like, "It's him! It's oh the Daywalker!" It's, it's, it's like the equivalent of the record scratch. Yeah, you know, it's like
3: <laughs> it's the equivalent of Dad's home and he's pissed. <laughs> you having a party? That
1: was a great moment. And then the the fight scene that comes in after that, it just it sets yeah. the tone for this movie yeah. so freaking well.
4: Yeah, the, the thing that kind of stood out for me, I remember when I watched this movie the first time, I was super impressed for like the first time ever with. The CGI graphics in a movie. Oh yeah, I'm like whoa, they really did a good job, yeah. you know. And it, it like, it's, well. it even it looks dated now. Yeah. And, but you know, with the disintegration effects, with with the, with the kills and everything, the, the it, was, it was really awesome. I think those
1: effects, for the most part, still hold up. They do still hold up. The only yeah. the the effects that don't hold up don't come until much much later right. in, the, in the movie. Yeah, like at the very finale. That's yeah. when the CGI gets a little squirrely, but a little, a little wonky. The uh, the kill effects for the vampires, I think, still holds up. It pretty pretty well. was up there yeah. with
0: like Buffy the Vampire Slayer in terms of like how they killed off the vampires. Yeah,
1: it was pretty epic. They just freaking just like. Disintegrate
0: silver you know, blow yeah. up, yeah, it's awesome. silver blades. He's that got the guy that
1: little...
3: they keep trying to kill through the whole movie, he <laughs> set that him guy, on fire. He's like my favorite they character, he's
0: yeah. so annoying. <laughs> he's such a dick, yeah. Quinn, <laughs> <twin. Twin>. yeah, <laughs> played by Donald Lowe. I think was, he's yeah.
3: probably the only person in the whole movie I actually kind of enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, was, I was <laughs> like, Do I know him from Sons of Anarchy yes, or yes, Vikings? And my, Matt was like, No, and I was, and I looked it up and I was like, Yeah, it's
0: both <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's funny like donald lowe he, he played bullock and on got the gotham yeah. tv series and and he, he's been in like so much stuff yeah. but um when he was originally cast in this movie the quinn character was supposed to die in the hospital scene uh, okay. where, where uh, basically wesley snipes comes back to finish him off but everyone liked him so much <laughs> like like the actor so much that they were like let's just keep him around yeah and like he he actually ad lib like most of his stuff in this movie like uh like you, you know that part at the end where, uh, Frost has the uh, blade sword and he's like hold out your arm. Yeah. And it, and you're thinking like, oh, it's that trope where like the bad guy is gonna like you know show his strength, kick, kill, like... kill one of his minions. Yeah. And uh, he's and so like Donald Lowe's like all scared mm-hmm. he holds out his arm and looks like Frost is gonna cut it off and he's just like, just kidding, man. Like the whole thing was <laughs> the whole thing was just ad lib between the two of them, just and, messing with you. Yeah, that's just pretty, messing with you. That's pretty funny. I didn't know that would add live. That's yeah, that's good. Like, can I can I just talk about that? There are two main factors in this movie that I want to talk about. The Go first on. the first is the writer and the other is the director. So the writer of this movie is David S. Goyer. <laughs> and and you might you might recognize David S. Goyer because he wrote like all of Nolan's Batman movies. Such a dick. I know. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. So David S. Goyer, you know, he's kind of famous for having written like the Nolan Batman trilogy and stuff like that. And for a long time, because of this movie, he was, like, the go-to guy for all comic book movies. And uh, he, he even directed uh, the the third movie in the Blade trilogy. David Goyer, in my opinion, is one of the biggest hacks working in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's just, he's so bad. I hate him so much. Um, and for the longest time, I was I was like, you know, the only movie that you can really point to with Goyer where he didn't work with, like, a really talented director to make a good like script yeah. was blade. And then I found out that originally uh, the one, the guy who was supposed to direct this was David Fincher and David Fincher was the one who secretly like basically wrote this movie. Uh, what, what other or, movies has he done? David Goyer, David Fincher, David Fincher. He did, um, fight club. Okay. Uh, Seven. Oh, okay. Um, stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, you know, he, he's gotten into producing TV uh, more recently. He did the Netflix show mind hunters. But he's a very famous uh, filmmaker, very talented. And he basically came on and he left the project to go and do Fight Club, basically. Um, So uh, David Goyer, you know, and he even admits this on the Blade commentary where he says, like, I'm not very good at writing individual scenes or dialogue, (laughs) but I'm really good at at structural stuff. And I'm like, so you're really bad at 90 percent of writing. (laughs) (laughs) And I've I've tried giving him the benefit of the doubt for like a lot of his movies. Like the last thing that just broke me for him was he did the Showtime original series called Da Vinci's demons. And it was the stupidest fricking TV <laughs> show I've ever seen. And I was just like, David Goyer just needs to stop writing. Like he just needs to stop. But he was the kind of main, like, I guess you could say creative force behind this film. And the second one was the director, Stephen Norrington and Stephen Norrington has only made four films in his entire career. Uh, he made um, this movie. He made another movie before this and another movie after this one. And then his final movie was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen.
2: <laughs>
0: and he had such a terrible experience with Sean Connery in that movie that he basically just said, I'm never making another movie again. <laughs> Neither did Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, no, like that. That was literally the movie that Sean Connery was like, I'm sick of this stuff. I'm I'm retiring. Was it Connery's
4: last movie? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Last time he ever seen really? the film. It's yeah. been that long? Yeah. He's been tired, retired for a while. Yeah, but like if... it's if, like a thousand years old. If you want to have an idea of what Goyer did before this movie, so like he did Death Warrant, Kickboxer 2, The Puppet Masters, The Crow City of Angels... oh the bad one. ...and Dark City. <laughs> not good. No, <laughs> not not no, a good, no, good no, reference. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's him left to his own devices. Yikes. You know, like, like when it came to this movie, he actually... He just piggybacked off of somebody else's work. Though. Well, what happened was, so th- the script for the most part, the individual scenes were, were such messes. Like Wesley Snipes would come on set in the morning and he'd be like, okay, this is how blade's going to walk into the scene. And everyone's like, Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense than what's in the script. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and so like, uh, in his producing capacity, Wesley Snipes basically just kind of made this movie and Stephen Norrington. Uh, he was like, so he, his background was in special effects and he basically jumped into directing through his work in special effects. So he was a big visualist, but apparently he was just, he's crazy. Like everyone hates working with this guy. And so like, he had like really good ideas for like the look and feel of the movie. Um, but he was just so manic that nobody knew what was going on on set until Wesley Snipes showed up. Good for him, man.
1: Yeah. makes me happy to hear that. Uh, let's, uh, let's try something a little different. Let's, I'm going to do, my least favorite scenes and things that I think kind of aren't aging too well in this movie. And then I'll, I'll, we'll talk about some of the stuff that we like, but there's a couple of things I wanted to dump some salt on. Cause I was kind of <laughs> irritated cause I hadn't watched this movie in a long time. And I, I have this very, very like great memory of watching it. I thought it was a fantastic film and I went and watched it again and I'm like, Ooh, there's a couple of things that are not aging well. And there's one thing in particular where I do not understand the thinking behind this scene. If you guys remember when they, uh, caught up with the that police officer who was a familiar. Yeah, well, they stake out his his car because they're waiting for him to come back uh-huh. so they can track him down to where he's going. Why in the world would any filmmaker in their right mind make that scene and speed it up by like one point five percent or one point five times the speed of a normal film and like have them just go around corners and they have I the think- sound. The sound doesn't match. He's sitting there and he's like, but the sound over the, it's it's dumb. It's so dumb. Like why? Kind of a stylistic uh, thing. Not only that, but like they're just driving normally like 30 miles an hour. And they constantly just dump like tire screeching sound effects over the whole thing. I kind of feel like
4: it was maybe some sort of like early version of them trying to like portray that this is a comic book movie kind of thing. Um, Maybe. So like, so if you know, if you
0: were, familiar with Stephen Norrington's kind of like visual style. This was his way of trying to communicate that once the sun went down, it was a different world outside. That's a terrible way of doing it. Well, I mean, <laughs> it was the 90s. You could get away with yeah, stuff that. It was like that. <laughs> weird. I'm, I'll totally agree with you. Was I was weird. so dumb.
1: Yeah. I, I was like – I didn't think it aged well. Every I didn't think- time
3: we watch movies, like if th- when we watch three movies within a decade, every single one of you goes, well, it was the 80s. Yeah. Well,
1: well, it was, it was the, the 90s. 90s. Like, no, at a certain point, you just have to draw the <laughs> you line. You know,
3: the 70s, they were a crazy time. <laughs> you know, the,
4: the 90s were kind of fun because they were, everybody was, they were breaking into this CGI stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And man, these movies we watch today, you can tell, you can really tell. That that the, from like 94 to 97, there was a huge jump in the tech. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Well, it was all –
1: yeah, it started with like what, Jurassic Park or whatever. Yeah. And then once Jurassic Park set the trend in the 93, and they were just like, oh, we can use computers now? Let's yeah. freaking
0: do it. Yeah. And yeah. the 90s movies
1: – did it a lot. <laughs> 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 but, They're
4: like
2: it, people it, it that got, just
3: came into money. They were like, let's ah, spend it. Yeah. Yeah. it. It got
4: better as the decade moved for on, for sure, for yeah, sure.
0: Was, um,
3: this was ninety-seven, sir, yeah. sure.
0: <laughs> and, and this is pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good for the most part. But yeah. like the, the next big leak came when um, the Matrix came out. Yeah, so yeah. Like and from it, Jurassic Park to the Matrix. In between that time, it, like Hollywood was still trying to figure out what what could we do with this technology. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, yeah, anyway, that weird car chase scene just did not work for me at all. Me it was a lot. Like, I don't think there's any real excuse for it because, like, watching it in the 90s, I, I feel like you should
0: have been like, what the hell is this? Like, I, I just don't get it. I have a I don't theory that, like, that that entire sequence was just filmed regularly. And when they were watching the movie, they were like, this is taking a long time.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, like, Let's just
1: speed it up. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> uh, and then the one thing that I thought was just like phenomenal and it concreted this movie into just like this dark underworld version of these vampire stories that we see nowadays, like with, with literally underworld and other mm-hmm. movies like that. Um, The scene with the giant fat freaking vampire. Yeah. When they <laughs> f- like, Girl. I was like,
4: Damn, <laughs> always kind of freaking out. It's like, yeah. what is that thing?
0: It was freaky, yeah. man. It scared the shit yeah. out of me like, as a kid. Like originally it was just supposed to be like an overweight, like Asian guy. And Stephen Norrington, because like, you know, he's uh his background's in special effects and he was like a conceptual artist, he basically like drew this Jabba the hut like character. <laughs> and and the, the special effects guys were, were just like, This is what you want? Well, okay. So like <laughs> that that the Pearl outfit, which is like, you know, this hugely grotesquely fat vampire. Um, it's just like the, this mound of flesh. Uh, <laughs> it was f- like 400 pounds of latex, and Jeez. they had to actually build the set around. Oh yeah, oh, uh, the bet. costume yeah. because they couldn't move the costume <laughs> once they had everything like in place, and it required like six people to like puppeteer the thing. Sure, it's amazing, it's crazy.
1: <laughs> when they killed it with the freaking flashlight with the UV flashlight, it was so grotesque. It
4: was pretty gross. I was like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was screaming <laughs> there's like smoke coming off of it uh, anyway so uh vader tell me are there any scenes um that stand out to you that really just like solidify that, this movie as one you're that stand
4: out Yeah um we already kind of discussed the with, opening um, the opening which yeah. is it just sets the mood for the whole movie yeah. and i I've, I've always been into that i could watch i could watch that opening scene in that movie just on repeat on, on some days and just, you know, just dancing to the music. Yeah. The music's good. The scene's good. The atmosphere is good. There's this great part in that
0: scene where he shoots Donald Lowe in the shoulder with like one of the silver stakes and he goes flying back and, and, and Wesley Snipes just does this fist bump where where he's just like, yes, yes. You know, it's like
4: the scene where they go in there and he like takes his, his, uh, that, that boomerang blade yeah. thing out and he goes, and it yeah. goes around the room and he catches it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's just it, like, oh, that's so, that's people's heads. Yeah. 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 It's like, that is so cool. That yeah. is like blade to the T. You know, it's it, like, they just set the tone of his character the whole, the whole way through there on that. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, when he's beating the shit out of the cop familiar guy, it's just like, he just no mercy. Yeah. Just bam, <laughs> on the thing, yeah. boom. Just, just fucks him and, up. And, and I like this in, in, <laughs> in that
0: scene where like, he's basically like, Putting this guy through all this woman's furniture, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and Karen's like, "Can you not do that, please?" And Blade's just, just like ignoring her, just yeah. trashing her he's, apartment. He's kind of a dick, he, you
2: know, really, <laughs> everyone
4: really in is. this movie is a
2: dick.
4: <laughs> okay, but uh, you know, and Frost is a cool character, you know, for for the bad dude. He's just like he's just like that arrogant douchebag, punk ass douchebag. you
1: Can't wait for somebody to
4: yeah. It's like it's life. like you 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 are actually so he's one of those characters like you you can't wait for him to get. What's coming to coming. him? Yeah. yeah, I feel that he did a good job with that. Maybe with the way he has the kid in the park, and he like the way offs his familiar dude at the party up on the, the penthouse. He's just a complete douchebag. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just so. Steven Dorff did a good job with that role. I thought so.
1: He played it good right on uh, Jude. So we all know that you're not a fan of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you explore that a little bit? Tell the listeners what if if is there anything in this movie that does work for you? Do because you, I know you're a big vampire fan. I am so. Does that version – does that side of this movie work for
0: you or no?
3: Um, I kind of liked the like the tension between the born vamps and the, the made vamps. Yeah, the
0: political stuff. There's yeah. A, there's a lot of really good world building in this movie. Like, like they really set out like yeah. the, the kind of world of the vampires and like glyphs and, you know, the, the pure bloods versus the the ones that were turned and, you know, this vampire society. Like it was actually like – and they had like a whole – like religious mythology behind it. Like it's, it's really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I just, it's just the personality of the characters that
0: grinds you the wrong way. It
3: grinds me. Yeah. (laughs) But there's one scene and it's, it's the same scene in all three of these movies that we're going to talk about today is the scene where just like, the cops just spray a building with bullets. <laughs> it was just like a theme in the nineties. Very nineties. Yeah. We're just going to spray this building with bullets and not worry about anyone else we might hit because yeah. there's one guy we're trying to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is up with this? Yeah. Like cops in movies, just like
1: especially bullets in the everywhere. Ni- yeah. Cops in, in, the cops in movies in the nineties are especially incompetent.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah but all the, aren't all the cops like, on the on the take. A lot movie? of them are, yeah. So they don't well, care. they they insinuate that the vampires yeah. kinda like own the police force. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh is there anything so what is it? You just don't like the character? You think they're just unlikable
0: across the board?
3: Yeah, I thought everybody was super unlikable except for um what's his name? Donald Donald Lowe. Lowe. Yeah. The
0: character is Quinn. Quinn. I didn't
3: care about the girl. I didn't care about Whistler. I didn't care about anyone. I was I like just like, it. I rolled my eyes so hard so many times <laughs> through, throughout the watching of this entire movie. Have, so. you, seen, have
4: you seen two? Two? Blade yeah, two? Blade 2. Oh, I doubt it. It's oh, really,
1: it's <laughs> better than this one, I you think. You need to watch it. Yeah. I
4: don't know about that. I but. disagree. Yeah.
1: You know? Oh, I like that one. It's got a lot of the inner workings of like vampire clicks and yeah. stuff like that. It's pretty good. Blade 3 is trash it's terrible. They made a it's third one? Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: Jesus.
1: It's terrible, but it's- You're c- lucky this isn't Blade Week. <laughs> <laughs>
4: okay?
1: It's a very easily good have it. Yeah. It's, it's a terrible movie, <laughs> but, but it's kind <laughs> of a guilty pleasure for me. Yeah, yeah. The
0: story behind Blade, Blade 3 is hilarious, though. We'll, yeah. we'll
1: have to save it for another pod. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not re-watching Blade 1 We'll again. do no. you, Blade
1: <laughs> Week some next year. Okay. <laughs> Juju can call goes off. goes on yeah. vacation. I'll have strep throat. <laughs> yeah, she'll, she'll get COVID. Yeah. All right, Kate, uh, why don't you tell us, is there any scenes that stand out to you that you really love? And oh is there anything that you don't think is aging very well about this movie?
0: So as a Wesley Snipes super fan, this movie just has so much awesomeness in it. <laughs> super fan? I love Wesley Snipes, okay. man. I, right. I, I love him. Too. Um, so like to give you an idea of how badass this movie is, there's, <laughs> there's, there's oh, a scene where a guy charges at Blade Late turns around, rips his throat out. Oh, yes. Then True. throws the throat at another guy who's <laughs> charging at him, hits him in the face, and then kills him with his bare
2: hands. <laughs> That's so good. So good. That's they ripped bad- that, of,
3: rip that off of Roadhouse. That's how badass
0: Wesley Snipes is in this movie. <laughs> totally did. Where, where, yeah, he blinds a guy with the ripped throat of another guy That's awesome. <laughs> before he kills him. Yeah. Um, so and, Patrick and, Swayze did it first. All right. So every superhero has a uniform, right? And... Blade's uniform is like, he's, he's got this body armor, but he's got this long black trench coat, but his most iconic thing is his sunglasses. Yep. And at the end of the movie, so he good. doesn't have, you know, they take his sunglasses away. And when he falls down into the pit to have like the final face off with like all the vampire guards and stuff like that, there's a scene where like he, he like punches someone and the guy's sunglasses go flying off his face. All slow motion twist in the air and blade grabs them in the midair and as a music cue hits and the techno music comes in and it's like <laughs> oomch, oomch.
2: And, and, he, and he puts his sunglasses on and the
0: camera pans back to just show him like in full like blade yep, gear yep. as the music swells and you're just sitting there like f yeah <laughs> it's on it's on
1: there there's actually a lot of backstory behind the sunglasses too is because the the character that keeps coming back and he's like he always gets killed off or quinn he he gets killed off or gets chopped up in the end you think he's gonna die or he's gonna run away and not come back he always ends up coming back as like like a He he was the one wearing
0: blade sunglasses
1: yeah he's the one who was wearing blade sunglasses so you got this like super annoying character that every kind of like everybody loves to hate or hates to love whatever you want to say and uh, he's like mocking blade. He's like, "Look at these new shades I got, bro." <laughs> <And> really cool. <laughs> and then when he does that final like superhero drop down into <laughs> the pit, and kills women. and he, he Quinn comes at him first and he just takes him out in like the laziest way possible oh, like yeah. he takes his time with the other vampires he punches them and kicks them and uses his sword throws their throats and throws him, their right? throats at him <laughs> with this dude he just has like this little lapel zip line thing that it's he like pulls it's like
4: out a, like silver dental floss <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: and he just chops them in half or cuts, he cuts his head, head off and then catches the sunglasses yeah. and, and like it was it just was smooth it was a real smooth, smooth moment move, real
0: yeah. smooth yeah moment. I, I mean it's one of those moments where like you just stand up and the theater and, like and <laughs> cheer.
4: it's like i want to see this in the theater again yeah, yeah. i, I kind of hope they like release it it'd be a, a I, great movie but, like but i mean a five dollar movie night or something everything
0: yeah. about blade is just like so manly in this movie like he drives yeah. like a freaking 68 dodge oh, charger a badass you know? car she's yeah. rolling her eyes right now it's a badass car yeah. i mean that was the car steve mcqueen drove in bullet with, yeah, with a dude. bigger engine <laughs> You know, this like, movie
4: gets the testosterone going. He's,
0: he's got a black leather like, trench coat yeah. with a hole in it for his samurai sword, <laughs> fucking blade, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kick his ass! Come on, Jude. Uh, how do you not
2: like this movie?
0: She's crying. <laughs> and, and, and and you know what's really funny is like gave so, up. <laughs> yeah. So Wesley Snipes, <laughs> like when, when he agreed to do this movie, like he really wanted to do it because he wanted to show off his martial arts skills, mm. and. Like he, he didn't really take it very seriously because this was kind of like his second choice after Black Panther. And basically uh, from all you know reports of the set, like he was just very lazy, like he didn't want to do much. So when he showed up on set for the first day, he, he was just like, yeah, I don't think Blade's going to talk a lot. <laughs> and like basically he didn't want to have to memorize any lines. Hey, that works for the character. <laughs> it, it, it does work for the character. But, but it was kind of funny because he would always come on set and whenever he'd get on set, he'd be like, okay, this is what we're doing. And everyone would just be like, "Oh well, we were going to do this, but okay, <laughs> you know." So like, he he basically kind of ran the show on on this movie. But uh, uh, you know, between David S. Goyer and Stephen Norrington and the uh, the producer on this movie, like th- there were like co- like constant fights going on, and uh, you know, nobody really knew what was happening until they actually like sat down there and and shot the movie. And in fact, this movie had an entire like different ending to it originally. And it tested so poorly with the uh, <laughs> test audience that they actually had to push back the release of the movie by like a year so they had time to reshoot it and do all the special effects work for it. Because the movie, the ending of this movie that we got where Blade fights with Stephen Dorff, um, that was not the original ending we were supposed to get. The original ending was Stephen Dorff would turn into this blood monster and basically infect the world, turn everyone into vampires, and Wesley Snipes would in the movie by saying like we're going to kill them all you know type thing yeah which i thought sounded kind of like a cool thing but uh, they weren't sure if they were going to be able to come back for a sequel so they wanted something a little bit more definitive for the ending right on
1: um does anybody have anything else they want yes. to add <laughs> <laughs> one more thing
2: of
3: course he was <laughs> trying to talk to me while we were watching this and i was just completely shut down so just let him talk now right. i feel bad
1: go ahead buddy so You're the, you're the super Wesley Snipes yes. fan, so go ahead. This
0: movie has the single best Wesley Snipes one liner. Oh I was gonna ever. have you
1: I was gonna have you do that ever. at the end. But if yeah, you want to do it now, really, yeah. you get the one F bomb, so just drop it. Go for it.
0: <laughs> this is yours. All right. So <laughs> so this is the, the one of the most ridiculous lines in any movie ever. But it's the, the line that when I think of blade, like this is the line that pops in. You've blade. said it at least four times yes. since I've told you <laughs> we were going to watch this movie. <laughs> it was like the first thing out of your mouth. And you know, it's funny is like the, the context behind it was that they were having a production meeting, David Goyer, um, the director, Stephen Norrington and Wesley Snipes. And they were talking about Deacon Frost, the bad guy in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, Leslie Snipes was like, you know what? He strikes me as the type of motherfucker who's always ice skating uphill. And, and Goyer's eyes popped out of his head. And he was like, that's the best line ever. <laughs> because, of course, he's a hack. Yeah. And Wesley Snipes was like, what, what are you talking about? And and Goyer was, was like, we have to put that in the movie. <laughs> and, and Snipes was like, no, that's a terrible line.
2: <laughs> and, and Goyer's like,
0: like, Norrington, back me up on this. And Norrington was like, yeah, put it in the fucking movie. <laughs> and so, like, in the movie, like, when he f- has his final face-off with Frost, uh, Snipes says you know, there's always some motherfucker trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's funny because like, so Wesley Snipes on is on Twitter and occasionally like yeah. he'll have these, these kind of bouts where like he's on Twitter all the time and reading his like DMS and stuff. And so one time I tweeted out to him, I was like, Mr. Snipes, I'm currently trying to ice skate uphill. What <laughs> advice do you have for me? <laughs> and he responded Did he? and he said, don't do it. MF. <laughs> so like it's like forever i will be a fan of wesley snipes just because he replied to me i think i can make a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt but but that's like one of my all-time favorite action movie one-liners because it's just so dumb (laughs) like me and my buddy john like he's another wesley snipes fan. like we used to just like throw wesley snipes one-liners at each other and that was always our favorite
1: epic all right final thoughts around the table uh for me I do love this movie. I just think it's it's just now starting to show its age a little bit. And uh there's a, a couple of questionable scenes that I'm kind of like why would they even bother doing that? <laughs> but other than that it's fantastic. Absolutely worth a watch. Uh and Wesley Snipes is a boss in this movie. Uh Vader, you got any final thoughts for this?
4: Um not really. It's a good movie, man. I love this movie. I
1: I could watch this movie
4: over and over, I think. Right on. It's worth at least a a yearly
1: rewatch this time of year and, and I always have a good time with it. Yeah. Always. Chris, Chris Stuckman must've uh, been snooping in on our production meetings. Cause he just dropped a, oh, yeah, a blade yeah, review yeah. the yeah, other exactly. day and I was like,
4: Hey man, I've noticed that <laughs> quite often that we, uh, cause we, we kind of theme our show with, you know, the time of year. And I think other people do that too. Yeah. it's probably,
1: we're not yeah. breaking any ground over mm-hmm. here. No. It's uh, Jude has our enthusiasm. At all rubbed off no. on you over the... <laughs> <laughs> no.
3: But I would go to that rave.
1: Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, what is that your final thought for this movie? Yeah, you would like, hit up that rave? Blood I'd bath. hit it. Bloodbath.
4: Okay.
3: Bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> blood dancing that. Sure.
2: Oh,
1: yeah, dude. Okay. Well, good luck <laughs> with, just, with that. Just raspberry. Make out jelly. with Tracy
3: Lords in a bloodbath. Sure.
1: That'd be awesome. <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Matthew Cady, you got any final thoughts?
0: I love this movie. Like, like it, it is a huge guilty pleasure, even though like it's a good movie on its own. Um, there's just so much about it, not only in terms of like, you know, Wesley Snipes fan, because it is his best movie in my opinion, but also like Stephen Norrington. Like I can remember at the time, cause I was like going into film school when this movie came out and I was just so impressed with his visual style. Like he was really kind of the guy who set the stage for what would become the Marvel formula in terms of like how they shoot their movies. I mean, it was all very dark and Gothic, but he took the subject matter seriously um he took the characters seriously and there were just little things like for instance, like when he when blade would punch uh, a another character, there was this very subtle like the camera would shake on the impact of of the hit and it just made it feel more visceral like the action. and this was like really the first kind of comic book movie that brought like the Hong Kong mm-hmm. like pre-matrix kind of martial arts fighting to um the stage. yeah and in a lot of ways this Um, A lot of the movies we're going to talk about today did this, but this movie, from the action point of view, kind of set the stage for the Matrix. Like, they even had bullet time in this, even though it wasn't, like, spinning around or anything like that. They had, like, the slow motion bullets and stuff. My one criticism is the vampire sunblock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's lame. Like, that was definitely a David Goyer invention.
3: I could have liked this movie more if it had been Skeet Ulrich and um, Sam Elliott.
0: <laughs> Basically, I could have movie. gotten more on board. Yeah. She wants to recast it, yeah. yeah. But, but overall, like four out of five stars, in my opinion. Like, Spe- I just I love this
4: movie. Speaking of recasting, they are they do have a yeah. yeah there's a Blade, recast. Mar- yeah, Mar- 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 Ali. Yeah. So just just really quick, I think Wesley Snipes is like really attached to Blade, right?
1: You should kinda, be, yeah.
4: So was he kind of like pissed when they re when they recast this role for the MCU? Probably not. I, I kind of feel like he was, though. But,
0: I mean, I might be wrong. Well, I mean, like he, he's in his late fifties now, so like, he can like still he, do it, well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> but, but do you remember his, his little cameo on what we do in the shadows? Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: that was yeah. great,
4: fantastic. <laughs> and, and he was, we all, I Daywalker? think, Daywalker.
0: <laughs> what do you think, Daywalker?
1: <laughs> we did a What is this uh, thing on what? what?
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: he had to zoom can't in. Can't figure out
1: zoom. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> we uh, we did a, a review of Dolomite, that uh, Eddie oh, Murphy movie. He was amazing. He was fantastic great. in that yeah. movie. Yeah, so. he's
0: fantastic in every movie he does. Yeah. Like seriously, but like for for whatever reason, his like he is Blade. He's the iconic Blade, right. and Marshala Ali, who was cast as like Marvel's official Blade going forward, it's kind of funny because he did um, True Detective three with Stephen Dorff mm. um, recently. So it was like the new he's Blade also in, with, with the like, old. I, I think the guy can. He has the look. Yeah, yeah. but he, I don't know if he has
4: Snipes's.
1: He's not a martial
4: Attitude, artist,
0: you know. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, they can. It's teach like recasting him. Han Solo, you know. Yeah, kind of, huh? <laughs> I don't, I don't eh, know. About
1: no. that. <laughs> <laughs> it really yeah. All right, guys, that's it for our discussion on Blade. Coming up next is our discussion on Spawn. But before we get into it, uh, let's take a quick break. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to our new introduction of ads. Helps us uh, support the podcast. If you would like to support the podcast and get this podcast ad-free, go to saltynerdclub.com and join one of our Patreon tiers, and we offer this podcast ad-free there. So go to saltynerdclub.com, join the Patreon, and help support the podcast. It's a really smooth transition. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about this freaking garbage (laughs) movie.
3: 1997 Spawn. Oh, boy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I got a beer in between
4: takes for this because like, this is a rough one. Now I understand why Tom McFarland hasn't been able to make another
0: one.
3: So <laughs> we talked about the poor man's Sam Elliott in the last movie. For this movie, Melinda Clark is the poor man's Tracy Lords for me. Also, mm-hmm. uh,
0: Michael Jai White, the poor man's Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm.
3: <gasps> yeah. And also the kid from Pet Cemetery, the original, is in this.
1: That I kinda, gave I, me a little chuckle. I hate this movie so much I actually feel bad. Because I watched a bunch of behind the scenes stuff, and the people behind this the uh, the actors and everybody they were super excited to do this movie, um, and I'm like Sheen. and I'm like, "Oh my God, it was so bad, yeah, I feel bad for them." Mm-hmm. Because they seemed like they were legit excited to make this movie.
3: I liked this movie more than I liked
0: Blade. Just oh to God. give you an what? idea how of God. how
3: much I hated Blade. <laughs>
0: Jesus. <laughs> how
2: dare you? <laughs> <laughs> my
0: God. All right. Cool, real quick. Give you know, us, you know, the thing is, though, is like none of the actors actually liked making this movie. Yeah. Um, they they were, seemed like they were having fun. They I were think, faking it. Wow. Okay. I think I
3: was about 15 minutes in when I went, oh my God, that's John
0: Leguizamo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I looked at her I was like, you couldn't tell that? She was like, no. No, I didn't know
1: who it was either oh. until I saw the
4: behind
0: I the think scenes he's
1: stuff. pretty happy that nobody can
0: recognize him. <laughs>
3: every, every time I say, oh, I just figured out this about a movie... Kadish goes, oh, you didn't know that? Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I do that to people on Twitter. It's fine. Yeah.
3: Every time I'm like, oh, what do I know that actor from? He's like, well, he's been in a lot of well, things. These, guys, these <laughs> guys do that to
1: me all the time. They're like, oh, you sweet summer child. I'm like, oh, excuse a, me. because you're a baby. They
3: got that from me. I started calling you that. Now yeah. they do. Yeah.
1: They I watched program. this
4: movie before you were a squirming your daddy's nuts out. So, Wow. I know, I'm Sexy. sorry. Okay. You can edit that out All if right. you want
3: to. So this movie is about a, uh, a man who goes on a mission, and he dies and Dude, comes stop. back five years later.
2: Wow. Just stop.
3: We've got...
0: Wow. That was brutal. That was brutal. It <laughs> was like a Wesley Snipes' level of laziness. Right there. This movie so, is about a guy who, who do some to stuff. Hell
2: he has like he a And He a deal
4: and he turns so, into like this thing <laughs> with chains and stuff. So, and I didn't write really any notes. black, Sorry. A He black comes ops. back and like, he's going to fight Martin Sheen <laughs> <laughs> with some stuff. And he has a wife in his best friend's banging his wife.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I said. And
4: John Leguizamo's a weird fat clown. Yeah. How much money did this movie make, guys? <laughs> Two dollars. So, so it had a choice. budget of $47 million. Jude, what gonna, did this movie make? I'm going to strangle
3: you. To <laughs> <laughs> Go have a beer.
1: I, I got water. <laughs> I have a beer. I am drinking. Oh my uh, God.
3: The budget was forty million. Did it make? Yeah, I was
1: close. Yeah, you were.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> they made this movie for five million less than Blade. Just MBOI. Well,
4: it wasn't in the CGI budget. That's really... <laughs> no. All
3: right, budget of forty million. Did it make two hundred and twelve point seven million, eighty seven point nine million, or fifty three million?
1: Fifty
4: three. The lowest one. <laughs>
1: Whatever that one is.
0: 87.9. Are you kidding me? It doubled its budget.
1: That's oh. a, that's amazing. How did it not get a sequel then? Because it was just terrible. <laughs> it, it,
0: it got it got really reamed by the critics. People wow. had yeah. buyer's
3: remorse after buying the ticket. <laughs> 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 Tomatoes around well, back? well,
0: you, you no. know, Spawn was like a big property at yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah the comic and, book was and pretty it, popular. It succeeded based off of that, but everyone who saw it was just like, this movie's terrible. The full yeah.
4: disclosure, I collected this comic book so did I. from
0: episode one. Same did here? you really?
4: Yeah, and okay. I gave it away. So oh. I, gave, I, gave, I, I gave him a full long box away to my buddy. No way. Yeah, Distri- yeah. Was well, it Because you, of the movie? You gave uh, away a Spawn no. number one? I did. Wow. Yeah.
1: I because still the, have mine somewhere. I, because the movie's I, bad or because you just were I done just, with
4: it? I think I was just kind of done with it and I was tired of packing my uh, comic books around. I did yeah. that to all my stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I gave re- away all my shit. Dude, did I, I remember –
0: like, so like I was a comic book collector in the 90s and in early 90, around 91, Image Comics started – and Spawn was its like flagship title, yeah. And I can remember like I was like heavy into collecting at the time. I got every episode of Spawn because I was a huge Todd McFarlane fan. I love the art, the artwork with, for this comic book was just so amazing. Yeah, that was
4: that was the problem with with the image though, is, and, and Spawn in particular is that the artwork was great, but the, story, the stories were
2: awful. terrible.
0: Mm. Like Todd McFarlane is a terrible writer. Terrible writer. Yeah. <laughs> like, was, I, I used to study his like artwork because I wanted to be a comic book artist. And, but like, every time I read one of his comics, I was just like, it's a good thing the art's good because yeah, this is not this a, is a good this is, comic. This is garbage. <laughs> yeah. It was really bad.
3: Was Zool in the comics?
0: Zool? Yeah.
3: The monster
4: that looked like Zool. You from mean Violator? Yeah, yeah. 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 He was in the yeah. comics. He was. Okay.
0: Looked exactly like he did in the uh, movie. No, they did a good job of translating the visual style of the comics to the movie, but. They also did a terrible job of making the story as bad as the comics. I, I, I kind of <laughs> wonder, because they could do it on a cheaper budget
4: now and remake this movie, and it might look way better. Well, bad. they're
0: trying to do another one. But Jamie, Jamie Foxx has been cast as Spawn. He's been yeah. cast? Yeah. Todd McFarlane oh. is writing and directing it. Um.
4: But man, mm. but, man, they they would
1: have to just completely – Rewrite the whole thing. Reed. Dude, it's – yeah. I have never seen Martin Sheen act so badly. <laughs> well, He's like, like – he, he overacted it. everything. Well, we got the heat 16. We're going to take this guy down. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Like I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, this is not Martin but, Sheen. That, What's that, going on? That was strictly because of Mark Dippy, the uh, – the director of this like, movie. I want a, you to act like every stereotypical bad guy in a bad movie ever. Yeah. You can always tell when it's a, it's a new or a bad director based off of the performances they're able to get out of their actors. And you know, Martin Sheen, like he, he accepted the role in this movie because he wanted to do a comic book movie and uh, his grandsons were really big spawn fans. Yeah. So, like he wanted to impress his grandson oh God. by doing this movie. But oddly enough, Alex, it, it's kind of funny because so first of all, the special effects in this movie were all done by ILM. Yes, I know. And originally the, the movie was a budget of $20 million and the studio added another $20 million on top of that in order to do a lot of special effects that they wanted to do. Offer's oh, cape. But the uh, <laughs> uh, Dippy and two other guys um, were the special effects programmers behind all the Jurassic Park special effects. So, like they were the ones who created the, the T-Rex yeah. and all that stuff. And they were like the pioneers of cgi like photorealistic cgi and movies and in fact one time they were at skywalker ranch and they kind of snuck into george lucas's private office and george lucas was so furious that they had been in there that he wanted to fire them and ilm was like um george these guys basically like without them we have no digital (laughs) uh department like we can't do cgi without these guys because they literally wrote the programs and did all the stuff and so he was like, okay, if I can't fire them, I'm just going to ban them from the ranch. And so these three guys, when they left ILM, they created their own special effects house called Ban from the Ranch Entertainment. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I can, I can, I'm down with that. And, <laughs> and, and Mark Dippy, uh, he was the guy, like he had met and kind of became friends with um, uh, Todd McFarlane back in like, the, like 1990 before Spawn even came out. And he had been kind of lobbying to get the material to make this his first feature film directing and Todd McFarlane, like he had been shopping around the film rights to spawn and he eventually gave it to new line for like a dollar in exchange for creative control over the property. And one of the first things that Todd McFarlane did was hire Mark Dippy to not only come in and direct the movie, but he wanted all of his ILM friends to come in and do the special effects. And so on paper, it looked like it was going to be like a really cool thing, Uh but unfortunately (laughs) it It just did not turn out that way. I
1: don't, (laughs) <laughs> what year did this come out? Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Okay.
0: These, two, two years after uh, after Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs>
1: God. This feels like a Mortal Kombat <laughs> movie. Like it feels like the same style and same genre and everything. This
4: Mortal Kombat was better.
1: Yeah, it was a better, it was more fun yeah. for sure. This movie
0: wasn't fun. But in terms of special effects.
1: But in terms of special effects, like this looks like something that somebody would use as like a beta version of what they wanted to do like hey this is our idea this is like a rough draft we just kind of threw together real quick this is what we want to do with this scene and they just put that in the movie <laughs> it was so bad i've never seen special effects as bad unless it was on like a playstation yeah. one but at the time
0: they weren't bad
1: i i disagree i disagree i
4: never liked the special effects in this movie either. i
0: agree like i don't think that they were like well Conceived I
1: animator. mean, they might be technically "quote unquote" groundbreaking for the yeah. time, but they were not done well. Yeah, just, they just didn't look good. Was yeah, the they didn't. They they went. They bit off more than they could chew. I think.
0: But it, it's kind of funny because both Michael Jai White and John Leguizamo were in prosthetics for like the entire, almost the entire time that they were on screen. Yeah, and they were so uncomfortable in those prosthetics. Like, like the, there were no cooling systems, so they were like sweating constantly. The uh, adhesive that they used to like stick the latex on them was like it would leave like blisters and stuff on their skin. Um, and John Leguizamo, he actually had a like I think he accidentally soiled himself in his outfit, his kind of <laughs> outfit because it took them four hours to get him into that outfit, and, yeah. and he couldn't just get out of it. I mean, to
1: the credit, like the actual real effects, like the artists, not the artists, um, the makeup effects, they they hold up, they work. And the one, the only thing that I liked about this movie. Where there's a handful of scenes. Are you
4: talking about clown and and spawns?
1: Yeah, the actual makeup. the actual like practical I, effects. I, I, did, I, I didn't think. They I did think the suit. I either. think at times if it when the shot was done well, I think the suit looked really good. It looked really. I, th- was, I, th- I think Spawn looks like a guy in a rubber mask. For the most yeah. most, sometimes yeah. he did, but there was a handful of scenes where I was like, okay, that looks and, good. And
0: it was a shame that like they they use the mask so sparingly because that like that mask was the iconic spawn. Yeah. I don't. And the fact that they didn't have him in a Cape the entire time was also, I understand why they didn't. But at the same time, like spawn is all about his Cape (laughs) and and like, like the character, it'd be like Superman without a Cape. You know, Mm -hmm. it was just like you needed to have the Cape on there constantly, but they had it in their mind that they had to do the Cape all CGI all the time. Yeah and it looked terrible.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Everything in this movie looked
0: terrible. It, yeah. It really and I did. hate John Leguizamo. <laughs> you do? I do. I do not like him as an actor. I, my hatred of him started when he played an Italian Plumber in the Super Mario.
1: <laughs> I'm 100% with Katage on and this. And
0: this this character of the clown/violator like in the comics <laughs> it's very obvious that it was meant for Danny DeVito like that's who Yeah. Todd McFarlane picked. Oh my god. That, as that character? That's very true. And when they cast John Leguizamo yeah. it, it, it's like he, okay, he he's kind of an interesting actor uh, to play the part, but number one he wasn't funny. I find him incredibly annoying. And very. yeah, he's very annoying. <laughs> and and you know like his like he had to be like squatting in every scene because like the character supposed to be small, but he's like a tall guy. He is? Well, I mean like taller than what the character's supposed five, to be 5'6, 5'7. But, eight, he, but you could obviously tell that he's like hunched over in this like latex suit and it just like and in some scenes like he's even on his knees like walking around when like you don't see his feet and stuff like that and it just felt like it felt like he was miscast honestly like it just wasn't a a very good rendition of I the just, there just
4: there was just there was so much stuff in this movie I just didn't buy being a fan of the comic book is like i mean at this point, I don't even remember the name of the characters in the movie now. I, just, I forgot. It's like, it's like oh, his name's, he's he's Wynn. Okay, that guy. I remember him now with the beard and everything. <laughs> yeah. But like the, the the mercenary girl.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. I don't remember her no, no, she, she, at all. She wasn't in the comic. She wasn't? Okay, well, that's... no.
0: Because originally the, the, the person who killed Spawn in the comic was a character that Rob Liefeld created. Mm-hmm. And because Rob Liefeld had the rights to that character, that's they right. couldn't use him for the movie. Right. So they created her just for the movie.
3: They got to sex it up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, but her
1: outfit was ridiculous. She oh had like yeah. a, a bedazzled, like bulletproof vest <laughs> with like <laughs> diamonds on it or something. The, I was the,
4: like, she, she reminded me of a character that would should have been in that uh, Van Damme comic
1: book movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jessica Priest was her name. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Jude, we've kind of all like dumped on this movie. Uh, did you have any thoughts about this? Did you just hate it? I
3: didn't, I didn't hate it. Like I knew what it was. I'd seen it before. Okay. So I was just like, okay. I didn't hate it as much as I hated Blade, but it's, it's an awful movie I've, with, Almost nothing. I mean, ugh, honestly, yeah, there's nothing redeemable about it.
1: Yeah, but I, I forgot to tell you guys this was my first time ever watching. This oh. movie. Oh, sorry. I reg- <laughs> I wow. I saw yeah. it in the theater when it came yeah. out. Do Damn. you feel violated? I no. I want my money back. I want my three dollars from Amazon violate back. Violate, violate you,
2: <laughs> <laughs> really But uh,
1: I I. I knew that I wouldn't like it. That's yeah. why I've avoided it yeah. for so long. I was like, oh, okay. I know the reputation of this movie. And I honestly was like dreading watch. I waited until the last possible minute to watch this movie. I watched it last night before I went to bed.
4: to I have to admit when I was watching this thing yesterday, I laughed. I laughed out loud every time he went to hell. <laughs> and, oh, Ma- and, Mal- and, Mal- and malbolgia with the hand puppet would come up <laughs> are you going to rule my army <laughs> and i'm like oh my god and it's, it's like, so bad and they got these freaking mortal combat freaking graphic spawns out there on the rocks going rruh, rruh, rruh. You know, i'm like what is this this is, <laughs> this is so
0: bad dude and, and, was- and the guy who did malbolgia's voice uh, <laughs> uh frank welker I could have um, done it better. Well, well You just, just did. did do it better. Yeah. Well, he was the voice of Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? And, and Scooby-Doo. Oh, my gosh. Talking it at home, <laughs> He was –
1: God, man. This movie is so scooby? bad.
0: There yeah, was a – yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: There so was I, a scene – When oh, I originally
3: saw this movie, I remembered – I haven't seen it since the first time I saw it, which was probably in 1997. Yeah. Uh, and I remembered not liking it then. So what, re-watching it now, I was like, okay – And I had just like myself up. I was like, we're not going to like this. (laughs) We're going to have to talk about it. Just power through. Um, But I think the thing about why I hated Blade so much on a rewatch was because when I originally saw it, I don't remember hating it that much because I was probably still in that time of being around those people and uh, kind of forgot about that. So when I rewatched it, I was like, it brought all of that up and I had this very like, terrible nostalgia Mm. about it so for this i already knew that i hated it so i was just like okay we're gonna watch it and then it'll be over soon it's like (laughs) it's like when you when you're about to go into like a bad (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah date (laughs) you're like just power through and it'll be done soon (laughs) so uh i i I didn't i didn't uh i didn't have as as bad of a reaction to it as i did My, 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 my
4: viewing experience was even worse because i i uh I made the mistake of watching it on demand. (laughs) So you had commercials? Oh, God. I had commercials. (laughs) I'm like, what is going on? I've never watched a movie on demand through my cable provider before. Yeah. And so I just like I saw the on demand button on my remote control. I was like, I wonder. And I pushed it. And I'm watching it. And it starts with a commercial. And I'm like, okay, well, they get the commercial over with first. And I watch the movie. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) It's like every 10 minutes I'd get a minute of commercials and it was super annoying. That but, is yeah. super annoying. You know, you
0: know what's interesting about this movie is that, so when Todd McFarlane created the comic book, um, all the k- main characters in the comic book were African American. Um, you know, spawn, obviously his wife, his kid, but the best friend, Terry, Terry Fitzgerald, he was also black in the comics mm-hmm. and the producers on this movie were like, we don't want to have too many black actors <laughs> <laughs> because people start thinking it's, it's an all black movie. I remember this. <laughs> so yeah. like they had to like read like race swap, terry fitzgerald in the movie how like, dare you and they cast a db sweeney in it but funny enough Tool like pick. like this is the first um token white dude <laughs> yeah, yeah this, this, this is actually the first comic book superhero movie to have a black leading man in it to ever be released in theaters
2: what?
0: now they've had superhero movies like blank man and meteor man well like i thought that. we said like, the
3: same thing about um yeah blade. what
0: about blade well blade was marvel this is just ah. first comic book in general.
3: Which came out first, this one or or Blake's? I know they they came out the same year.
0: I, I believe this one came out okay. first. No, I don't. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. So Spawn did it first? So Spawn was the first comic book superhero, African-American leading man it released in theaters. What about Meteor Man? No, I'm saying it was from comic books. So Meteor Man's not a comic book? No, Meteor Man and Blank Man were both... Um, like original creations. Meteor man needs to be a comic
1: book. <laughs> that movie is freaking great. <laughs>
0: yeah. If you say so,
1: <laughs> but uh, I have some good nostalgia with that movie. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Continue. Go ahead.
0: But this is also the, the first and only theatrically released film from director Mark Dippy. Uh, he gave up after this. <laughs> he didn't give up. I just don't think he could get any work. after this. <laughs> <laughs> it was really
2: so bad.
4: bad. Oh, so there was just, this, just for oh, the record. Go ahead. I'm looking at, I'm looking, I'm cheating on my phone. And I just typed in uh, uh, Black Superheroes before Black Panther. And it immediately came up with Meteor Man 1993. Blank Man <laughs> 1994. Okay. i uh, is that a? I never seen that. I don't know. Steel. Oh, yeah. It was nineteen ninety seven. Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. And then Spawn and then Blade.
0: Okay. yeah, And, so, and it's kind of interesting because the guy who directed proceed. The Crow, Alex Proyas, he was originally supposed to direct this movie, but he dropped out to do Dark City. Mm. Um And I think also because the movie was probably terrible. Dodged a bullet on that one for sure. <laughs> but even like the leading man, Michael Jai White, the guy who was Spawn in the movie, he's been on record as, as saying like, there is no footage of me ever saying that I liked Spawn. I have never said that. And I never <laughs> thought it was a good movie. <laughs> Aww. What else has he done? <sighs> Nothing. Like he was in like This, the, this was the killer, huh? Yeah, like, this was, like, his first, like, leading role. That's too bad. Like, like, he'd been in, like, Universal Soldier and, like, a bunch of other, like, smaller parts. Um, he was also in The Dark Knight. He had, like, a very small, like, almost, like, blinking, huh. you'll miss it Well, role. through most
3: of this movie, you don't really see his face.
1: Yeah, that's a big bummer for him. Like, I, mm-hmm. I can understand them not using the, the spawn mask because typically, like, if you look at, like, comparing uh like iron man iron man always lifts his mask so you can see robert he Danny looks like Jr. freddy
3: krueger he's yeah, absolutely he looks, yeah. unrecognizable he looks
1: terrible you cannot tell who's acting under the role mm-hmm. but then so, they put the mask on I'm like so why not I, just I leave wonder, the mask on yeah. i wonder if you said they recast
4: this with uh jamie fox right yeah is jamie fox gonna yeah. want to be under a prosthetic the whole time
1: i doubt he will be
4: i don't know
0: i don't know i know that in the remake todd McFarlane wants spawn to be more of like a Background character, and the f- film's going to focus on the two cops, Sam and Twitch. Sam and, Twitch. Yeah. and it's going to be more of like almost like a like a mystery movie Ooh, with, with we like. Were in this movie, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had like one scene where you yeah. saw them in the background, <laughs> but Todd McFarlane's such a terrible writer. I don't know like how they're going to pull this one. They're gonna, And, and I, a, I know that since they announced that they were doing it, they've had like a lot of production problems. So I don't even know if it's still happening. So what? So
1: what you could say about the new Spawn? Remake with Michael uh, with uh, uh Jamie Foxx is uh they are trying to ice skate uphill,
0: yes, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what's even more interesting is like so because Alex Proyas, the, the guy who directed the crow, was originally supposed to do this, you can see like a lot of the gothic inspiring stuff from the crow in this movie. <sighs> they, so like they, they, they tried they, to do the crow, but they failed. Oh, they went like, into a
1: fireplace that was a portal for hell because it yeah. had fire in it. Because it had fire in it. What looks like a gate to hell in this room? Oh, the fireplace. The
4: fireplace. (laughs) That'll work.
1: They jumped into it and they got sucked into hell. And they should have just done something
4: cool. Like, they should have, like, clowns should have just, like, drawn a pentagram on the floor or something. Oh, that would have worked. That would have worked,
0: yeah. Frickin' goddamn. Do you remember the the scene where, like, he breaks through the skylight and, like, the big fancy, like, party? That's and the it, scene you it, see in all the and in yeah, all the spend trailers.
4: Three million dollars on cape of <laughs> X,
0: <Yeah. laughs> and it's basically like that's in every Batman movie yeah. up to that point. You know? Yeah. i'd like to point out that it also
3: has the same stock footage of police officers spraying a building (laughs) with
1: bullets (laughs) like gunplay in this movie is ridiculous like you're fighting a demon from hell and you're using a freaking modified submachine gun guns and
3: creeposoids were better The
1: lasers.
0: (laughs) you know that that was straight from the comics though
1: i just Yeah. yeah i get it but it just doesn't make any sense like why would this demon from hell be a like be able to be injured by bullets because
4: he's on the ethereal plane of existence <laughs> I, I know that in the
0: comics <laughs> like he only had a certain wow. amount of hell power and, and like, and like <laughs> yeah, when, fact, when that right. hell, when that when that hell power was depleted he would yeah. basically like get sucked back at, at the at the end of every
4: issue of the comic there's a counter that tells uh, you how much of his fell th- power that he has left a green yeah so whenever he'd like heal or use his power to do like really strong things it,
1: boop, boop, it would.
4: Yeah. It would. In fact, I think. Oh, they okay. kind okay. Of, I, I might be wrong, but I think that one of the plot points, and like up to, to like issue two hundred or something, I don't know because I didn't read them. Was I think it was something about how he got that reset or taken away to where he well originally. Anymore so, or like, something. they
0: sent him back five years after his death because part of the deal was like he wanted to see his family again. So, the devil sent him back five years later when his family had already moved on. Yeah. And the idea was that once that power was exhausted, he'd be dragged back into hell so that he could lead Satan's army. Yeah. And Malbolgia. Yeah. Malbolgia's (laughs) army. And uh, basically like that was a big part of the comics where like he wasn't allowed to, like he tried to avoid using his powers because that would kind of hasten his departure from the earth realm. So he would basically use his skills as a black ops Mm -hmm. mercenary to uh, find like Cash caches of weapons and use those instead of his like you know spawn powers. Oh, and okay. he
4: sat in this alleyway and brooded yeah. a lot. Yeah, he, he was homeless. So in the end, there when they get to Wanda and Terry's house, the little kid just shows up. I followed you here. Did you see? Remember that part? No, I don't. The little homeless kid shows up at Wanda's house. At Did the he? Yeah.
1: Okay. It's
2: Gage
4: and, from Pets. And he just and he just said, "I followed you here. I thought you might need your whatever." <laughs> and and. I immediately, how'd that kid get there? He wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't, it was crazy.
2: It was just like.
1: <laughs> well, that, that kid, like, like of all the things that pissed me off in this movie and how bad it is, like there was a scene where this like dad was telling this kid to eat this rotten, like moldy sandwich out of the yeah. trash can and the kid like gagged and threw it up because it was rotten and the dad proceeded to berate him. Like, we don't have enough food for you to spit that out. And he was going to beat the kid, and Spawn stops him from beating his child. But then they try to turn the dad into a sympathetic character. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I don't have any sympathy for him. Get the hell out of here with this
0: nonsense. Remember that scene where the clown eats that maggoty piece of pizza oh, yes so well, tell so. me that wasn't real for god's sake well, tell me that wasn't real the, the maggots on it were like wax okay all and, right. and john leguizamo actually took that bite and the minute they called cut on that scene he yeah. threw up yeah okay. <laughs> all right good right, like talk, talk about a guy who suffers for his art yeah Le, Le, leguizamo like was surprisingly uh method like i mood.
1: really don't like i'm with you on that actor like i find him incredibly annoying yeah. i don't really no, like don't. him and anything is in but i do feel bad for him Knowing what he had to go through for this movie, the only
0: movies I've ever liked John Leguizamo in were the John Wick movies, and like he's barely in them. Wait, oh yeah, yeah, he's, he's in like, John Wick. Yeah, he's yeah. the he's the he's, mechanic. Yeah, he's the the, the, the car, car mechanic, mechanic who warns everyone about don't piss off John Wick. I do not remember that.
3: He's like, yo, your son just really messed
2: up.
4: You stole this car from John Wick. Dumb motherfucker.
1: Right on. All right, so let's. We've
4: we've
2: the crow.
1: Yeah.
0: Final 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 thoughts.
1: Final thoughts on
2: Spawn. No. no more. <laughs> no more. My final
4: thoughts? Yeah, Vader, go ahead. Um, I remember when it first came out, I was really looking forward to it because I was a comic collector and it was terrible and I never care if I watch this movie again. Okay. I was su- supremely let down. Yeah. And yeah, it was bad.
1: Okay. Jude?
3: pass
2: <laughs>
0: one star crap
1: one
3: star crap. Okay.
0: one half butthole <laughs> I
3: gave it zero splatters in my cockpit wow <laughs>
1: that's a reference to uh
3: one of our other episodes eraser,
1: eraser yeah the schwarzenegger movie eraser uh, uh final thoughts on spawn all right so
0: I'm massively disappointed in this movie i was a fan of the comic i really wanted this movie to be good i remember going to the theater Uh, when I was a kid to see this and just being so disappointed and um, Spawn deserved better. And funny enough, like the HBO show that came out the exact same time as this movie was actually like a much better. Yeah. It was animated, right? Yeah. It was animated. Okay. Uh, Keith David did the voice of Spawn. Yeah. Uh, It was awesome. Um, I remember it being very dark dark, and kind of depressing, but this is definitely, (laughs) this is definitely like a one star movie in my book. Like it's just, they picked the wrong people to make it and it, it just, it, I mean, the story itself is just not good. Yeah.
1: As somebody who uh, has never seen it before, this was my first time watching it. I regret watching it. So if you haven't seen <laughs> I regret,
4: it. I regret losing this time of my life. Yeah, it was.
1: I wanted to turn it off multiple times, but because of this podcast, I was like, I have to power through it. But anyway, terrible movie. Um, I actually feel bad for a lot of the actors now knowing what they had to go through to, to make this freaking heap of trash, but, um, all right. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the next on our list is the crow, but before we get into it, let's, uh, hear a quick word from some people that want to sell you some stuff. All right, guys, last on our list is the Brandon Lee classic, The Crow. Save the best for last. Save the best movie for last for this podcast, guys. You, it's you,
4: almost you over. You guys are welcome. By yeah. way. <laughs>
2: all right.
3: We built this whole week around this movie.
1: We basically built this whole month around
0: Vader's surprise. Yes, right. Pretty yeah. much. And I'm all right with it. We've had a f- I wanna watch these movies, guys. <laughs> well, I guess we gotta figure out other movies to watch around them. You know. like, I know it's not
4: my birthday, but we're watching these movies. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All
0: right, Jude, why don't you tell us
1: about the crow?
3: The crow is about a couple who has beef with some
1: Are you ad-libbing this? Yeah. Oh, good for you. All right.
3: <laughs> has beef with some some scumbags in a in a neighborhood. They're uh they're in a in an apartment and they have some some tenant tenant tenant. landlord disputes and the landlord isn't having it. So we come, he sends his goons to basically rape her and and murder everyone. And a year later, a crow brings uh, Eric Draven back to life to seek his vengeance upon everyone who did that to them.
1: Best setup ever. Thanks. Okay.
3: (laughs) I want to (laughs) start off by saying Brandon Lee deserved better.
1: What, What do you mean? He shouldn't have died.
3: He died during the <laughs> making of this.
1: Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. I, I'm like deserved better. I'm like this movie was great. Oh, what this movie's mean? fantastic. Okay. No, no, no. He no. could
3: have. He. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it could have been so different for him had that not happened. And, yeah. And the story behind that is is he deserved better.
1: This. Yeah. This. This. Uh. Behind the scenes of this movie is like it's known as like the cursed film. Like mm-hmm. everything yeah. that could go wrong did go wrong. And they still mm-hmm. somehow managed to put out a fantastic movie yeah. out of the nonsense that they had to deal with on mm-hmm. set. And like a
0: highly influential movie, too.
1: M- yeah. My
3: uh, my first watch of this movie was at the drive-in.
1: Oh, nice. And I
3: believe because at the drive-in where I came from, I don't know if, if if it's the same everywhere where they have drive-ins, but every time um, there's a showing at a drive-in, it's always a double feature. Where mm-hmm. I'm from, so uh, we saw this, and I think the second movie was. Um, Oh, God, what's what's that movie with um, uh, Ben Affleck in the Meteor?
1: Oh, Armageddon.
3: Yes, yeah,
1: Armageddon. Yeah, Deep so Impact was your other one.
3: I think I saw both of those at the movie theater the same day. Good it's movies. Night.
1: Yeah. I like them both. Yeah, it's a fun. Time. Okay. All it's, right. It's, so it's,
3: this was made for fifteen million dollars. If you can believe that, do you think it made? Okay. So I just want to start by saying there's um, a, a domestic what it made, and then there's international. So domestically, it made 50 million.
1: 50. Okay. Yeah.
3: So internationally, do you think it made 217 million, 100 million, or 78.9? I'm
1: going to go with 100 million. Vader? Vader. 78.
3: $100 million. Yes. Alex wins.
4: Ha ha.
1: <laughs> Score. I don't like this game.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you it's won it's one. He won game. one. Stupid game. And then you both game. lost one.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Vader, why don't you tell us why you demanded that we watch this movie mm, for the podcast? Because it's, it's,
4: it's awesome. It, it, it's October and it's awesome. Yeah. And
1: I like to watch this movie. This
4: is the only every, movie I actually year. enjoyed this week. Hall- Halloween every year. Thank I like you, I just, Vader. I, I like to watch The Crow. Yeah.
1: Is there anything? It's, what is it about it? It's moody.
4: It's got that Music that I liked. I was. I was just. I loved that scene back then. You know. When yeah. I, was, when I, I, was I in had my the 20s. soundtrack to this movie yeah. on loop throughout my <laughs> yeah. entire high school career. You know, the the bad guys are evil and. and but they're Should kind
2: we do of, the-
0: fire,
4: it
2: fire it up? Fire, fire it, it up! up. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and Skank
4: and T Bird and, and yeah. you know, uh, and fun, fun and boy or whatever. Boy. Good names. Yeah. 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 And uh, in the in the uh the 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 kingpin dude. I forget his name.
0: Oh, I love that but guy. He's just
4: like so over the top. They and actually weird. never
0: never tell you his name yeah. in the movie.
4: And uh, you know, him and his weird sister, half sister. Yeah, I know play. that
1: I know <laughs> the actor who played that guy. Um, what I always like I don't know why. I think it's just because it's a, a movie from my childhood, but the uh Disney's Three Musketeers he was the bad guy in that movie. Yeah. Okay. And he has just this freaking iconic yeah. voice. Michael Wincott. Yeah. He was, he's awesome. I would love to see him in more things, but I was like, like going as a child, watching Three Musketeers and seeing him as like the big evil bad guy with the deep growly yeah. voice. And then seeing him when I was older in this movie, and I was like, oh, that's that guy? Yeah. I was so freaking excited. There's
4: this, there's this, this movie so iconic to yeah. me. It's just like yeah. the, the, the Brandon Lee's performance, the makeup, the, Everything about this movie just screams October to me. and it's just, Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just... For sure. Well, it also it's, it's takes awesome. place over Halloween. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah, Halloween yeah, movie. Yeah, right. Devil's Night. And, um, Devil's Night, yeah. You know, and, and I also always think back about how movies would be a little bit different if he hadn't gotten killed. Yeah. Because mm. he was, like, on the precipice of being yeah. the next thing. Oh, was, yeah. you know? He
1: was in a handful of, like, yeah, low-budget movies, and, and then um, he... Just,
3: he was definitely up and coming. Yeah. Plus, he had the pedigree behind him. Exactly. We'd be we'd probably, a real we'd, star.
4: We'd probably be having Brandon Lee week on the movie or yeah. on the podcast here at some yeah. point. because so. yeah. he
0: was Bruce Lee's son, yeah, and had had he lived through this movie, like he would have been an A-lister, no doubt.
1: Yeah, if you look at like some old interviews with him from back in the day, like he was very, he had very ch- mm-hmm. a lot of charm. Yeah. Like he was a very nice, like easygoing guy. It seemed like his interviews with uh with you know some of the late night shows like i think uh jay leno did a, a interview with him He's like super personable mm-hmm. and really nice and like i think if he would have lived past this past this movie absolutely he would have been up there and in his like real top life tier. story
3: is kind of similar to the story of of this also like he was engaged to be married mm-hmm. he was on the verge of great things and then he was you know, killed yeah. it's just he didn't
4: get a chance to get going yeah it's a bummer yeah. you know and the other thing I, I always kind of laugh about this movie is like I always remember that Ernie Hudson's in this movie. I know. And it's like That was the first this, thing this like, I don't I don't ever I think about Ernie Hudson, I don't think about Ghostbusters. I always go to the crow. It's like, yeah. And it's like oh yeah, he was in the Ghostbusters, but Yeah. He was the fourth
0: dude. The friendly <laughs> yeah, the friendly was, neighborhood cop He was the black guy. I felt like I hadn't <laughs> seen him. <laughs> I felt like I hadn't seen Ernie Hudson in anything since Ghostbusters when I first saw this movie. I, yeah. was, I was like, oh, Ernie Hudson's still alive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but It was funny because like, this movie kind of defined emo for an entire generation. Oh, oh for sure. It still and, does, dude. Yeah, what it do you still does. And, and I can remember this was the first R-rated movie I saw in the theater because I actually snuck into the theater to see this film. Nice. I bought like a ticket for, like I think, Nightmare on... A Nightmare Before Christmas or something like that. And then just snuck into this movie. I was like so nervous I was going to get caught. <laughs> but, but, but like the, seeing this movie in the theater when I was a teenager, it was almost like a religious experience for me. Because, wow. Because like <laughs> this movie was so revolutionary for its time and the tragic story behind it. And, you know, I was a huge fan of the graphic novel. Yeah. The graphic novel, like if if anyone out there listening has not read the Crow graphic novel, go out and read it right now. because I need, I need to do that. not only... <laughs> Not only does it have amazing art in it, but the story itself, it's like one of the best written stories I think I've ever seen. Um, like I remember reading that and just being blown away. Like I hadn't felt that blown away by a graphic novel since I read The Dark Knight Returns originally. Yeah. Mm. And this, it, it's it's super like adult and sophisticated and dark, but like also like kind of like philosophical. Yeah, this, It's just a really good book. This, this movie single-handedly guaranteed
4: existence of a Hot Topic
2: yeah, <laughs> in, every totally, single mall, totally, yeah.
4: in every single mall in the United
1: States Yeah, for the next You're welcome, years. Hot Topic. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, this, like, I don't remember the first time I watched this movie, but I, like, I don't remember how old I was is what I mean, but I do remember the first time I actually watched it, I was blown away, because I was like that, I was at the right age. I was probably, like, barely a teenager, maybe 14, 15 when I first saw this, and it was like, Oh, this is freaking emo? It's beautiful. Oh, I'm freaking down. If, if I had yeah. seen
4: this movie when I was 15, I probably would have been like a complete goth kick.
2: Yeah. yeah. Know,
1: I would have been completely I weird. went through
4: a phase. It would have changed my whole world. I went through a phase, <laughs> and it's
1: single-handedly because of this movie. It's <laughs>
4: like, it turned me a little emo when I was in my 20s, so I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine what it would have done yeah. if I was like a sophomore. I, w- I was at the right age, and I remember
1: <laughs> – I like. You describing like going to the theater and like sneaking in sounds like it would just have been a blast. I wish I could have had that experience, but I think I watched this. I probably rented it at our local like blockbuster. Vi- blockbuster. <laughs> it wasn't. A, we. I. My town didn't have a blockbuster. is
3: a paid sponsor. Of this yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> they don't
1: exist anymore. <laughs> There's one left. There's Bend, one yeah. left. Mm-hmm. It's just for nostalgia. Um, but I remember like renting it at the at the local um uh, video shop or whatever, and like watch. And I was like nervous about watching it because like hey is like. It's like one of the first radar movies I've ever saw, and I knew it was like dark and grimy, and I knew my parents wouldn't approve. And I was like, hyper violent, yeah. I'm like, oh man, I gotta watch this movie, and I just was blown away, like loving how dark it was, yeah, and how this is hard. Vader to Vader describe. described
3: it really well. He earlier. really did. He said it was like moody and dark. Yeah. It's it's also just like tragic and beautiful, and just moody is like the the perfect word for it.
1: Like growing up watching this movie, I just I always love the idea of like this. Very visceral revenge that this character needed to get. And yes. that's his yep. entire, from point A to point B, his entire motivation is just revenge. And I'm like, that is like the purest freaking plot line mm-hmm. you could ever have in a movie ever. And he gets it. And like you succeed at the end of the movie, you feel that like release of like, okay. He's vindicated in his revenge and now he can rest in peace. And I'm like, that is just, it's like a beautiful fricking story. I love it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And this was Alex Proira's first like major movie. He had come out of Australia as a music video director and he had done a couple commercials as well. And the producers, when they were getting this movie together, they knew that they wanted to have a heavy emphasis on, on the soundtrack. And so they're like, we need to hire someone who understands music. So let's get a music video director. And there was a whole string of like the, the mid to late 90s of music video directors getting kind of up jumped to feature film directors. Yeah, Zack Snyder. <laughs> and um, Alex Proyas was kind of like one of the first. And so like he kind of came to the movie and originally he wanted to direct the whole thing. He wanted to shoot it all in black and white just like the comic book was. And uh, the producers, and grew, that would have been interesting. Well, well, the producers were just flat out like, "No, we're yeah. you got shooting color?" They
1: kind of they found a little bit of a loophole because if you watch the movie, like it's not in black and white, but a lot of the. Yeah the big like comic book well, it's scenes. A very, it's a very dark movie. Yeah. They purposely made it very yeah. muted in its tone. So they kind yeah, they,
0: of, they, they made it very like high contrast. Yeah. In fact, they shot most of the movie with a sepia filter. And then in post-production they'd go in. Can you describe to people who aren't film geeks, what a sepia mm-hmm. filter is? Well, you know, the color sepia. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's blue. Kind of, like no, a, t- no. a turquoise blue, right? No, it's like a brownish. Um, oh, kind of color. it's almost black and white. Yeah. So like, so Shut like up, Vader, they, 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 <laughs> <laughs> So like they, they would put this filter on the camera and they would shoot everything. So that it had this Brown tint to it. So they, they would go, go through and, and do the post-production process in order to like, uh, get rid, get rid or color shift the, yeah. the sepia tone into this like high contrast black and white. In fact, they couldn't film anything with blue in it because, uh, the, the process was meant to kind of up the blues mm-hmm. on the film. And that's in contrast to, uh, in the
1: comic book, which I haven't read, but I did do a little bit of research into it in the comic book. Um, the main story is all in black and white art, but the, the flashbacks are in like technicolor and they mimic that in the movie as much as they could where anytime, um, the main, I don't
0: remember there being any color in the comics.
1: The, well, I don't know. I was reading the the guys who made it. They were talking about it in this documentary I was watching, and they said like the 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 flashback scenes where he's with his uh, um fiance. It's like well, in, it's in the movies, color. yeah. In the movies and
0: in the I thought they said in the comic book too. No, because the comic book you, you have to pay money to have color in the comics. <laughs> <laughs> and it it, it it was an independent comic that was all in black and white. Oh, maybe I mis misheard what he said then. Okay, you, you must have because like. My memory of the, the graphic novel was just that it was all black and white. Okay. And it, awesome. was, it was beautiful. Yeah. But and they, you
3: collected this as well?
0: Well, I mean, like, it was just one graphic novel. So.
3: Oh. Oh. So. Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, so I didn't have to collect anything. I just so the sequels the that were
3: novel. made after this are just based on nothing?
0: Yes. And that, that's why they're terrible. <laughs> that's, that's why they're, not why they're bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Copy. Um, but uh, Alex Proyros, he, he used this kind of s- special um, process to make the film feel black and white because okay. it was so high contrast. Um, but he did use the, like the the colors in the flashback scenes to kind of differentiate them. But uh, Jude, why don't you tell us like how did Brandon Lee die on this movie?
2: Oh,
3: do, do you guys know the story? I know.
1: I know the sort conspiracy of. theory, and I know okay. what the official story. So, is. So
3: the official story, yeah, is um. So the prop guy went to like a pawn shop to get stuff for this movie. He bought, <clears throat> excuse me, he bought a gun and he bought um a box or package or whatever of live bullets. The prop master took the live bullets and put them in the trunk of his car because you never have live bullets on a film set. Right. Um, So during the making, uh, they needed blanks and they didn't have any. So in order to save time, the prop master took the live bullets out of his trunk and um, yeah, he like fiddled with them to turn them into blanks. Basically
1: all you have to do is you have to take (laughs) the the actual bullet out of the shell and then you pinch the shell down so that it's, so that the when the firing pin hits the igniter, it'll just make a loud noise and a big flash, and that's all it'll. Yeah. Happen, so it I'm has instead safe.
3: of the lead tip, it has a cardboard tip. Yeah. But they kept the lead tip on for the scene where they're showing the actual bullet. Yeah. And it's loaded into the gun. So unbeknownst to anyone, when they did that scene, the lead bullet or the lead tip broke off and was lodged inside the gun so that when they shot the blank that had the cardboard tip, that lead tip is what actually hit Brandon Lee and they filmed the scene and they got all done and they called cut. And there was like a dime size hole in Brandon Lee's gut.
0: So, so like it, it's the flashback scene where they're raping his, his uh, wife and Brandon Lee comes in with the groceries and uh, what was the guy's name? Um, Tintin, no. Tint- it's either it's Tintin- fun boy, fun boy no, fun, is the boy. one who shot so, him. So Funboy turns around and shoots him when he comes in and that was actually the, the scene where um, uh, Brandon Lee got shot and died. And well, uh, he, he
1: died a couple of days later. Just, he didn't die on set. He, the bullet got lodged. I think lodged.
3: it was like a day later. Yeah. The yeah bullet they, got, they operated for like something like 13 hours. Yeah, the bullet
1: got lodged in his spine and after the operation, he just couldn't, he couldn't
0: make it through. Yeah. But Michael Massey, the actor who actually shot him, yeah. uh, who played the character of fun boy, like he was so traumatized mm, by I'm that sure. like like he quit acting for a year because like he you know he he was like post, understandable. post-traumatic and he even said like you know he recently died of of like stomach cancer um a couple years ago but he said that like he he had terrible nightmares his entire life because of, mm. of that yeah it was like yeah, such how could a tra- traumatic Yeah, it's thing. tragic now the the conspiracy
1: nut uh, side of the thing is that the uh, oh, yeah. Chinese, I I've, I've read all about yeah, that. Yeah, the Chinese yeah. triad was very dis- disapproving of the Lee family uh, coming to America and and you know building themselves well, up, and and they Bruce wanted Bruce Lee to-
3: is the one that brought kung kung fu, yeah. worldwide. Yeah, like it was it was always like very secretive up until Bruce Lee started opening his studios, mm-hmm.
1: and so like the, the Chinese culture and the Chinese triad, the mafia of the mm-hmm. China, of China wanted to like off the whole family. So they like just systematically started like, uh, sabotaging this movie set. And, uh, that's, that's what the, yeah the conspiracy theories thing. So I don't, I don't discount that entirely, but I, it.
3: I know I've, I've always kind of thought I'm like the official,
1: the official story does sound a little fishy. Like I I do own guns and I do, you know, I'm not like a a master at firearms or anything, but like just the idea of how you described what happened officially. I'm like, that's not something that really happens. (laughs) It's hard to believe sometimes. Well, uh,
0: one of the interesting things about this was that when Brandon Lee died, they had eight days left of scheduled shooting to do. Yeah. Four days of which Brandon Lee was scheduled to do. So they, they, they basically had to call all hands on deck. Well, first of all, they got permission from Brandon Lee's family to finish the movie. Yeah, which they approved of. And, yes. and Paramount was originally the studio behind this movie. And when Brandon Lee died, they basically just wanted to wash their hands of it. So Miramax stepped in and bought it out from Paramount. Yeah. Mm. And gave them the money to finish this movie. And,
3: and I think it was the, the family that actually stepped in and were, and were like, "We want yeah. his film mm-hmm. to be real," because they
1: believed in what he was doing. And yeah. I, 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 it seems like he was very passionate about this project as well.
0: And so Proyros and his writers all got together, and they were like, "Okay, what do we have left to film? How can we change it to you know get what we need without Brandon?" And so they went through and they, you know, um, kind of rejiggered everything. And it was kind of interesting because the year before this was when Jurassic Park came out. And so digital technology was all brand good, brand new. Brand spanking brand spanking new. new. Yep. But- and so they figured out. Uh, that they could use some digital trickery in order to make it look like Brandon Lee was in scenes that he wasn't really in. Yeah. So if you guys remember
1: the Jurassic Park scene where Lex falls through the vent inside the roof and the raptors below her.
3: Any excuse to talk about Jurassic Uh, Park? Hell yes. (laughs) I'm
1: I'm (laughs) going to explain it. He'll get there. I'm going to explain it. So there's face swapping technology that happened in the 90s that was revolutionary. So that scene was done by a stunt person where first scene Running Man, where Lex falls through. Yeah, <laughs> where Lex falls through the gray and she looks up at the camera, which they weren't supposed to do. The stunt woman was told, "Don't look at the camera because you're not Lex. You're not the actress." so we don't want to have to face swap it. But she did it anyway, and they were like, all right, whatever, we'll face swap you. So that technology of the face swapping was done on the crow on a handful of scenes, but the, I think the most expensive scene that they did was when um, the crow's character was putting the makeup on for the first time in front of the broken mirror, mm-hmm. and they had to put a digital face onto a broken mirror.
0: That was one of the scenes that they filmed? That the was Yeah, that was one of the well, scenes it, that they filmed. It wasn't that, that wasn't a face swap. That was like a... a Another image of Brandon Lee, but they had to make it look like it was reflected in all the broken shards of the mirror, Mm. which was expensive. But at that final scene where he's standing in that window and the lightning flashes, and you see him in his full makeup for the first time, that was the like the it was actually kind of funny because the guy who directed the John Wick movies Mm -hmm. was the body double for Brandon Lee in this. Nice. And so like he just had to stand there, and they they had to make sure he didn't move because they couldn't like you know move the head. So like you know as long as it was a static shot, they were able to put Brandon Lee's face over over his face. And, um, that's cool. Yeah. It, it was, it was a very interesting movie. Like there's little things like when, um, Ernie Hudson, uh, kind of saves him from getting shot and drives his car away from the police. And then the Brandon Lee just kind of like disappears, was, disappears out of the car. <laughs> yeah. like, like all that, like you never see Brandon Lee's face, like getting into that car, like when they're yeah. driving. And so, yeah, it's
4: a little weird, isn't it? Well,
0: i never, I'd not really thought about that. They do a yeah. good job of hiding yeah. it, but yeah. yeah. But like, like they had to like basically rejigger this whole thing. And it was very funny because they shot this movie in Wilmington, um, North North Carolina, Carolina. and that's a right to work state. So they did it there so they could avoid all the union like fees and rules and stuff. (laughs) But the thing about it was, is because they were on such a tight budget and they were shooting nights, like the the whole kind of production of this uh, film was like out of whack. Like nobody really knew what was going on. And everyone on the crew was doing cocaine, (laughs) (laughs) like like, seriously, seriously, like this was the most coked up set. Like (laughs) Empire Magazine did an article about like how much cocaine use was on the set. Wow. And it was said it was made
3: that, for fifteen million dollars, and fourteen million was spent on cocaine. <laughs> okay, you know. yeah.
0: and, and a big reason for that was because like it was mostly night shoots, but sometimes they'd have to do day shoots, and they wouldn't give the crew enough time turnaround time to adjust their schedule. So everyone had to like stay awake, and so everyone was doing like <laughs> everyone was doing massive amount. Like there's a scene I, right I, there where Michael. I was just time. gonna
4: say, I usually go to that scene where they're in the up there. Yeah. He's got that. Big pile, pile of cocaine. Yeah. That, 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 sub, that, yeah. that
0: wasn't fake cocaine. Are you serious? <laughs> no.
1: What is that confirmed? And,
0: and
1: he's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, no, like, hold on, hold on. Because there's a scene where he straight snorts like a good old line of that freaking cocaine. You're it. telling me that's confirmed that that was
0: real cocaine, <laughs> I, I, like according to the Empire article, like. There was enough cocaine on set where they didn't need prop cocaine. Wow! <laughs> and, and they basically wow. they basically said like anytime someone sneezed on set, it cost them fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's funny. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> I, I I mean it, it was absolutely like insane. Like this production was like so out of whack. That's crazy. Um, but you know um the the guy who actually was the the one who created the the crow comic, James Obar, you know he was. He was basically, he was an artist or a writer and a former Marine. Uh, he lost his fiance in a drunk driving accident at the age of 18. And he started The Crow as a way to kind Deal of work through that. his, his uh, grief for losing his wife. Like his comic, The Crow, was one of the most successful independent comics of all time up up at that point. And he worked very closely with the, the people who made this movie. And at first, he didn't want Jason Lee cast as Eric Draven. You mean Brandon Lee? J- Brace- Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee, sorry. Yeah. At first he didn't want him cast there. Uh, he wanted someone like Johnny Depp, you know, to star in yeah. the role or something like that. It would have been interesting. It would have been terrible. Yeah. But, um, eventually <laughs> he became really good friends with Brandon Lee and he couldn't imagine him like anyone else in the role. Yeah. And when Brandon Lee died, he was so, um, like distraught over like what had happened. He donated all the money he made from the movie to charity and basically he, he was like, this is blood money. I can't, I yeah. can't keep this. Wow. And he hasn't done anything with the crow since because he just, you know, it's too well, painful.
4: Yeah. It's even, definitely like a, a cursed, uh, yeah. IP for sure.
1: Even now people who are like, try to get it started and off the ground, it just never goes anywhere. I know a couple uh, like two, maybe three years ago, when uh, Aquaman was real big, uh, Jason Momoa was—he had a set photo of him with the Crow's makeup on, and it was yeah. like a tease. He was going to do a reboot. He was going to do a reboot of oh. it. but I'm like, okay, so I love Jason Momoa. He's really cool, really fun, good action star. But I don't think he fits the Crow no. because I the Crow—the Crow—is supposed to be like this guy who normally wouldn't be able to fight back. He's right. like a skinny, you know, a little bit thinner guy, lower, smaller stature <laughs> is what I'm trying to say, I and. Did. To have somebody he's like Jay- yeah, to have somebody
0: like Jason Momoa come in, it just it wouldn't have the same effect. Yeah, I agree. And, and with you. you know what's funny is in the graphic novel, it, it's much less supernatural. Like you, uh, so like there's a theory that in the graphic novel, instead of him dying right away, he's the one who's in the hospital for 30 hours, mm. struggling for his life. And there's a theory that the, the entire comic is a revenge fantasy he's having as he's dying on the operating table. Oh wow! <laughs> but then there's also one where he survives and. Um, The crow is a figment of his imagination and he's just hopped up on morphine the entire time, which is what allows him to survive, like getting like cut up and shot and stuff like that (laughs) as he takes his revenge on these guys who killed his wife. And then there's one that's like it's straight up supernatural. So like the comic is very ambiguous when it comes to like what the crow actually is. Whereas in the movie, it's just straight up like, oh, it's it's supernatural.
3: Super I do want to read the comic now. I do too. It's, it's
0: really good. <laughs> I need to really I need good. to go down to the local comic shop and grab it. But this movie was so influential, yeah, or, yeah. on on cinema going forward, and it, it wasn't just audiences that responded to it, like. This movie set up like the kind of whole gothic aesthetic, the the look and feel of the like music, mm-hmm. like, hot oh, topic, oh yeah, the, <laughs> hot topic. <laughs> but more than that, like for instance, like when he lights the the crow symbol on fire on on like the street, like that was the first time a comic book movie ever did that. Now it's like a trope, yeah. yeah. You know, I remember when Daredevil did it, and I'm like,
1: oh, shut up! <laughs> what <about> the Punisher,
0: <laughs> yeah, the Punisher in, in the movie. Um, um, yeah. But but you know, Alex Proyas, he he was like he was this young, inf- like you know, kind of. um, experimental filmmaker and he just came on, on this movie and just like blew it up with like his style, like everything, like going through like the streets of like the city and all this stuff and, and treating the characters with like such respect. The city had like a life of its own. Like if you look at like something,
3: the city was its own character.
0: Yeah, it was, this was actually a big influence on the matrix. I could definitely tell,
1: I could definitely tell that, uh, there's one thing I wanted to mention before I forget. Um, and it's to uh, Brandon Lee's credit. Uh, it's kind of like a method acting thing that he did. But apparently because he was reading the script and he was reading over this character and he was like, well, he's dead and he's underground. So I wanted to experience what it must feel like to be just completely lifeless and cold and dead. So he would sit in a bathtub of ice water for hours on end. And the, the, I think the insurance company or the production was like, dude, you have to stop doing that. You're <laughs> going to freaking kill yourself. He's like, I want to feel like what it would feel like to be dead. Be like no movement, no blood in you. And I'm like, man, that's freaking crazy. I love that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, are we good to do final thoughts around sure. the table? All right. Uh, Vader, give us some final thoughts. Final on thoughts. The uh, I don't
4: know. It's just, it's a good movie, man. I always, I, I watch this movie every year. Like I said before, um, super influential. Um, Super moody, super trendy. Um, I don't know what else to say. It's just it's, it's, it's a fun watch every year. What would you give it for a grade? Uh, Four, four out of five. Four out of five? One yeah. out of five out of five. I don't know. It's not, it's not perfect. <laughs> okay. It's not perfect. All right. It's okay. So stingy. So, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't give the stars out very easily. There's only, there's only one five-star movie. <laughs> Is it a porn? It's a Raiders of the Lost
1: Ark. Oh, there okay. we go. All right. Uh, Jude. What are your final thoughts? On I the give crow?
3: it five out of five. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Splatters on my cockpit.
2: There you go. Uh,
3: also. Hi, mom. I know you're listening and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, no, I love this movie. It's okay. beautiful. It's tragic. It's gorgeous. I love it.
0: All right. Uh, Kadish, final thoughts on The Crow. Uh, real quick, I just want to mention three <laughs> of actors. Of
3: course, you do. <laughs> that, that we have
0: like 30 more minutes now. I <laughs> kind of skipped over. Uh, David Patrick Kelly, who plays T Bird, he was the bad guy in The Warriors, and he was also on Twin Peaks. And mm. so I just thought it was kind of interesting uh, to see him pop up in this movie. And of course, we had Candyman, Tony Todd, yes. yeah. in this movie. Uh, Jude didn't mention her hatred of Biling. I hate her. <laughs> who? <laughs> the chick? The, that,
3: the weird sister. The
0: sorceress chick. Why do you hate
2: her?
3: I just do. <laughs> Okay. I just, I've, everything I've ever seen her in, I'm just, she just like gets on my nerves in like a creepy way. Okay. And She's she creepy. ruined Lost. Did she? Yeah.
0: Okay. And uh, finally, uh, <laughs>
3: according to me, she ruined it. Okay.
0: <laughs> finally, the actor who played 1010, Lawrence Mason, who was also in Hackers. Oh yeah. Um, in my opinion, this is a, a masterwork of filmmaking. Um, it was so influential to all movies in the 90s and going forward and also superhero movies. Um, it was a a tragic film because like, you know, you could see the potential for Brandon Lee to be like a superstar in in this movie. And it was just like, you know, it's a superhero film, but in a weird way, it's also a a very serious film about grief yeah. and you know how to deal with it mm-hmm. and so like it works on multiple levels for me this is a five out of five yeah
1: the little subplot i forgot to mention but for my final thoughts the little subplot with the daughter and the mother who's like a drug addict yeah. with and she's hanging out with um what was his name uh fun boy, fun boy. like it's a very small part of this movie but man does it hit home yeah. it's just like oh my god it has a really like heavy element to mm-hmm. it just and it's not even like the main part of the movie. It doesn't it's just this, hit you
3: over the head with it, but yeah, it really makes an it impact. It's just like
1: this little subtle through line with this little girl that you're following along with on the side plot of the main character. And it's just like, wow, man, that it was really well done.
0: And everything that they had to overcome to get this movie made yeah. and the fact that it turned out as good as it did is a real testament to. Yeah, it's very. It's timeless. It's a timeless movie. Yeah, really People will be able to watch this movie 20 years from now. I mean, there are some very 90s elements to it. But at at the same time, you know, like... Like the
2: record. (laughs) Yeah,
0: like at the the same time, like you don't... It's not distracting enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's kind of like when you watch a good 80s movie and it's very obviously 80s, but you just don't care because it's so good. Yeah. It's like,
4: I I don't watch this movie and feel like it's set in a certain time period. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's... it's stylistic it's, and comic booky enough. It's timeless, wear, a can, lot
3: like in the way that Sin City is timeless. Yeah, mm.
0: that's oh, yeah, it's yeah. a good point. It's a great I mean, way of I, putting I, it. I mean, the acting, the set design, the direction, the writing, everything it's always
3: looks so. You sound so surprised every time I say something that is like smart. You guys are always like, <laughs> well, That's a good point. Good great for you, point. Lady
0: no, Brain." But I,
1: you know, I honestly <laughs> didn't even think about freaking Sin City, and it's <laughs> it's such an obvious connection. I don't know why I didn't, but yeah, it's it's a very great. You're uh, good job, Jude. Thanks, good job, Jude.
3: Thanks, men. <laughs> you approve?
1: We approve of your good lady brain? Good for me. <laughs> good job, lady brain.
0: <laughs> yeah. but, uh, vaginas
3: about are a paid sponsor of this podcast.
0: <laughs> everything about this movie is, is just so good, but I would highly recommend anyone who loves this movie to also check out the graphic novel because as good as this movie is, the graphic novel is like a billion times better. I'm definitely gonna have to put that on my list of things. to yeah. you know, turn the captions on or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
1: right, guys. That's it for today's podcast. Thank you for joining us. As always, if you would like to support what you hear, uh, go to saltynerdclub.com and pick one of our tiers. Not only do you get behind the scenes pictures, you get advanced show notes, you can get direct contact with the hosts, uh, as well. And, uh, you know, you can help support a great podcast. That's saltynerdclub.com. Before we head out, where can we find everybody on the social, starting with Ambassador of Estrogen?
3: You can find me at I am Juju on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Right on. And Matthew Kadish, where can they find you? At Matthew Kadish, K-A-D-I-S-H on Twitter. And KadishBooks.com uh, takes you to my Amazon page. Thank you. And Matthew Vader, where can they find you? Uh, you can find
4: me at MattVader74 on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and probably other things across the board whatever
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right and i am your host the salty nerd you can find me on twitter at salty underscore nerd hit me up talk about movies and uh, let's discuss all right guys thanks for listening have a great day